2: Portions of the Sports Fix brought to you by Harry Buffalo. Catch every UFC pay-per-view live in full HD at Harry Buffalo North Olmstead just outside Great Northern Mall. Harry Buffalo.
3: Join the herd. Sports Fix listeners, don't wait all day or all week to get in on the fun. The party doesn't stop when we go off the air all week long. The Sports Fix social media sites are your one-stop shop for all things Cleveland sports. Jump over to Facebook.com slash TheSportsFix, Facebook.com slash TheSportsFix, and become a fan today because we love fans, and they create some of the best sports talk in town, Daddy. You'll enjoy talking to your fellow Cleveland sports fans on the sports Fix fan page. And if Twitter's your thing, well, you know how we do it. Tweet with us at The Sports fix CLE. It's that simple. Twitter.com slash The Sports fix CLE, baby. Chat live with the crew during all your favorite Cleveland sports events, tickets and contests and trivia and so much more. Get with us today, The Sports Fix on social media. Facebook.com slash The sports fix. Tweet with us at The sports fix CLE. Join, Join the, the Sports fix, fix on Facebook and, Facebook and Twitter, Twitter today. today. Hey, it's Hugh Hewitt, and when
1: I want to know what's going on with the Cavs, the Browns, and the Tribe, I tune into to Sports Fix. Live in Ohio, it's time to get your fix. The Sports Fix.
3: Let's see. Let's see, radio voice, man. Live? Check. In Ohio? Check. Time to get your fix? Triple check. All right, you pass muster for today. Welcome in, everybody, live to the Sports Fix. We are, as I said, live, rocking and rolling on the air another week, the last few days of April here. And uh, (laughs) those April showers, I guess, are going to make sure that they get their their last little bit of uh, due diligence in here before we creep over into the month of May. Looks like a pretty rain-soaked week for us here in Cleveland. Luckily, the tribe on the road wrapping up the West Coast. Um yeah, we the, speaking of the West Coast. We'll talk about that in just a minute. Hey, you can have all the patience you want. Doesn't change the fact that it was an ugly weekend in uh Wahoo Wonderland for us here, but that's okay. We'll talk about that. A whole lot to talk about today. It was a it was a beautiful weekend weather wise. It was a a mixed bag sports wise. There was a lot of beauty and a lot of ugliness too, obviously. Uh man uh we'll we'll put everything in order here we'll go through it donald sterling i I'll, I'll tell you that situation there a lot of a lot of ins and outs there into what and i think people are i think people are wrong about uh uh what they expect is going to come out of this thing i mean obviously there's going to be some consequences and repercussions but i think a lot of people think that this that the nba's power on this is more reaching than it is but it was ugly and we're going to talk about it donald sterling those uh wow i i still i i still cannot believe uh i mean obviously i'm not a, i'm not saying this in the simpleton way of saying oh i can't believe people think like that i mean come on but uh just the first time listening to it i happened to be online as this stuff was breaking i think i saw the first audio posted within within minutes of it of it being out there and just like wow what is this i'm listening to and you're you're listening to it with the with the mouth open almost like Man, right? he just he's he's got the shovel out. He's burying it with every every word that comes out. It's getting worse. And so uh, we'll talk about all of that from all the all the angles going on right now. I mean, uh this thing's getting deeper too. State Farm just announced this morning that they have pulled out their sponsorship involving the Clippers. So Cliff Paul perhaps no more, but we'll talk about all of that and the ugly situation there in LA. And it's such a shame to the such a shame on so many levels, but on a base level to the players on the Clippers that invested uh, this entire season and and then to have this happen and put them in such an an uncomfortable and just unworkable situation for everybody. We're going to talk about all of that today, talk about the Indians and the weekend that they had. We say ugly, but ugly in that manner, not quite as comparable to ugly in the Donald Sterling manner, but still Not pretty, at least. We'll talk about the Indians as they get ready now to play some late-night baseball on the West Coast the next couple of days as we've got the Angels, and then we come back home this weekend with the White Sox. We'll talk about all of that. Dan Wismar from the Cleveland fan. He'll be with us for that as well. Always a good time on Mondays. John McMullen from the Sports Network. John will be with us today, as always, talking about the Ray Farmer, press conference here in Berea as the Browns prepare for the draft. We'll talk about Vince Young, Tyler Thigpen, the newest quarterback workouts here for the Cleveland Browns. And guys, before you guys start going crazy about those names, let's just keep in mind that right now the only arms that the Browns have for training camp is Brian Hoyer, who's just now getting back from injury, and Alex Tanney. So you do need some arms. Somebody's got to throw the bullets in training camp or in, in mini camp, not training camp. But uh, so keep that in mind, guys. Plus, you know, it's an opportunity to kill two birds with one stone for the Browns as they, as they also get a look at a couple of guys and do their due diligence as well as filling a need, which is somebody to throw the football to everybody else. That's the biggest part of it, guys. They need some some healthy mini camp, guys. But anyways, we'll talk about that and I'll tell you what, how far is too far to go to keep a home field advantage? I'll tell you there's a 50 million dollar lawsuit that's going to find out. I don't know if you guys heard, we'll get into it later with John, but a fan sued, a San Francisco fan suing over the the rights to attend, he tried to buy games. We'll get into the details. He basically tried to buy games, tickets to games, and wasn't allowed because he lived out of town. And the Seahawks were attempting to to maintain that 12th man, that strong home field advantage. Well, now they're getting sued. $50 million lawsuit saying it's kind of a, a manufactured and manipulated home field advantage. I mean, uh, that, that's interesting blocking teams from out of town to, hey, you know what, we see it especially uh, with the Indians on the nights where the attendant the weeknights where it's lower and some you know sometimes like the Blue Jays especially because they travel really well hey, you'll see the park and you'll go, man, there's as many Blue Jays fans here as there are Indians, you know, and I mean again, those are select situations, but I can see the point there too, and now he's suing for $50 million, we'll talk about all of that whole lot going on, you guys uh, a ton in the news, the Black, the Blue Jackets, excuse me, the Blue Jackets, man <sighs> Unfortunately, they now have to go to work because they the crucial game five. We talked about it; it was right there. Jackets had you know for a minute they had it rolling for them, but hey, give Pittsburgh credit; they did what good teams do. They pulled ahead and then got the empty netter at the end. There took a three to one lead, took the game three to one, and now take a three to two lead in the series. Heads back to Nationwide tonight. It's winner go home for the Blue Jackets. As they take on the Penguins tonight, going to be a big one. We'll talk about all of that A little UFC talk, who knows, and we'll do it with you right now. So let's kick it off. You are, indeed, listening to the Sports Fix. I'm your host, J-Rock, Jerry Myers, the big daddy on the microphone, with you for the duration here as we do what we do each and every weekday, live, right here on the Sports Fix. Welcome in, whether you're listening live on TuneIn, the TuneIn radio app, of course, Of course, on the the SportsFix.net, the mothership there. Listening live on Spreaker and Mixler as well as all of you listening 24-7 on Digital Delay, on iHeartRadio, iTunes, Stitcher Radio, SoundCloud, and more, guys. I'll tell you what. Be a part of the conversation. 216-539-7535 is the number to call. 216-539-7535. Hit us up facebook.com slash the sports fix tweet with us at the sports fix CLE always to stay in touch with the show as well. 24 seven email us the sports fix at aol.com guys. And I'll tell you, you know, real quick, uh, I see some comments already coming in. We'll get into the, we will definitely get more into uh, the football talk here in a little bit when John McMullen joins us, but just going to throw this out there An interesting An interesting take that I'm getting out of what I just heard from Ray Farmer here this morning. He said, we do indeed have a player targeted that we want to take at number four, but we don't know if he'll be there when it comes up at number four. Now, I'm just going to tell you, Johnny football fans right now, that is not who he was referring to because uh, that is not an option. I mean, I'm hearing things. Did you guys see some uh, some of the stuff over the weekend? There's now people projecting Manziel could be the guy that falls. I don't see that. I don't see it because somebody's going to jump up. But regardless, there's no way that Ray Farmer feels that Johnny Manziel will not be there at four. So that tells me that that's not me personally. I think he was referring to Khalil Mack or Sammy Watkins. I think one of those two guys is the guy that he has at the top of his list that if they're there, he takes them and deals with the quarterback next. If those guys are not on the board, then we go into plans B and C and D and et cetera. But I found that interesting because with that quote right there, you're not talking about Johnny football. If you aren't sure if your guy's going to be there at number four, because Johnny football is going to be there. I don't, I'm telling you, man. Uh, But that's just, we'll talk about it. John McMullen, we'll talk about all of that in a little bit. You guys before, I mean, really, man, uh, before we dive into anything else, I don't even want to, I don't even want to get into, uh, Too much here before, well, you know what, we've got, let's take the first break because I want to talk right off the bat here about the weekend here, NBA playoffs, I mean, and what timing for the NBA, by the way, probably the most exciting first uh, round week, you know, know, it's too early to say it definitively because the games aren't done, but definitely one of the most competitive and, and exciting first round in general in the NBA playoffs in their history and then smack dab in the middle of it here comes some ugliness knocking the NBA upside the head and and as i said for those of you by now you had to have heard over the weekend whether it's been re- it's been replayed all over the place and and by the way the the 9 well actually plus the 4 minutes that were thrown out there uh, yesterday it's like almost 15 minutes of audio supposedly there's another 40 45 minutes of audio out there um, that came from this discussion between the owner of the L.A. Clippers, Donald Sterling, and his his girlfriend, mistress, uh, which, whichever term you want to use there. Um, I, I, what a weird situation in general, because just in the course of talking i mean clearly uh they have uh they have one of those relationships where she's able to to do whatever as far as being with other people but what amazes me the most before we even dive into the conversation is what started it this whole situation that the nba finds themselves dealing with right now all started because this woman took a picture with magic johnson and put it on Instagram, like the most innocuous little thing. Now, first off, we're talking about L.A. Clippers, L.A. Lakers. I mean, obviously, you're in the you're, you're in L.A. The Magic Johnson. Besides the fact, yeah, he's a Laker guy, but I mean, he's a he's a big deal there. I mean, really, but you. you You take a picture with Magic Johnson, you put it on Instagram, you know, and uh, and I'll tell you what, uh, from there, all hell breaks loose. Uh, Apparently, uh, a friend of Donald Sterling, you know, calls him and lets him know, hey, hey, your girl's on on Instagram with a black guy, you know, and I don't know what the actual words were. But clearly, that was the effect of it, because that's what started this whole conversation. And it dove it dove into some, you know, listen. You're foolish if you don't think, and this is one thing that I've told people all weekend. If you don't think that there's people that think like this, if this is a big surprise, uh, then you're nuts. Obviously, I don't think it's it's prevalent, and I don't think it's anywhere near as prevailing as some people would insist that it is. I don't. I do believe, I mean, you got a guy here who, uh and I really don't have any excuses. I mean, the only excuse I, I've heard some people say... uh uh, you know the old age thing. Now the only thing I'll give you at that is that perhaps that lowers the filter where you'll just you you won't stop yourself. But but listen, man, I I've known relatives. I mean people that I that I love and that I think are good people that were older. I mean I'm talking grandparents. I'm talking people that you know are good people at heart, but they've got maybe it's not that disgusting you know type of you know festering racism. But you'll hear a comment here. They they grew up. in in a different place. So that's an excuse that some people are using that I'm not using, although I will tell you that I'm sure some of that goes in play here. But, man, you know, this is a guy, first off, people so up in arms. You obviously have not – have not seen this is not just an NBA thing with Donald Sterling it goes out into his into his real estate dealings uh some some craziness there this guy did not want blacks and hispanics to live in some of the apartment buildings that he had so much that he changed the name of one of them to the Korean World Towers in a way Of allowing, like, it's his way of almost kind of making it uncomfortable for other races to be there and encouraging. Uh, Korean descent people to live in this building, and at the same time, I see Craig in the chat room. At the same time, he's given an NAACP award through all of this because he made a big donation at the time. Uh, he he was known for that, uh, uh, making these donations and and being able to fluff over things. I'll tell you though, that was that one. Was, he changed the name to the Korean World Towers. They actually had to make him take that away uh, because of what it was. It was literally kind of inferring we only want a certain group here, you know? So, so he has a racial side regardless of history. But my thing was listening to, listening to him talk uh, throughout this tape and you're you're just sitting here going, man, you know, you own a basketball team, which is there's two white players on the Clippers. And, and obviously, uh, you know, a, a, we all know the NBA heavily African-American, both in the makeup of the players and the audience and and just in general i mean if i'm sitting there that's i think what made it it's not even that it was said or that it was thought it's that it was put out there in in that position i'm going man are you really and then clearly he didn't know uh he was being recorded or maybe he did and didn't care but and there's another thing by the way who was recording this whole thing and where Where did that come from? Like, the recording part of it. Like, I mean, there's other aspects to it that I'm interested just in the news aspect of this story to see how they came out. But so anyways, he goes on and on and he just continues to bury himself as this thing goes. Like I said, he's got the shovel in his hand and he's just going. Uh, Next thing you know, here was, I think, I guess if you could find anything, I don't want to say comical, but I guess this is ironically comical, is that about five minutes in. The the uh, the girl in question asks him, "Well, you do realize that I'm mixed and I'm part black, right? I mean, seriously, like, and clearly, if you've seen the picture of her, it, I mean, I don't think it takes a big leap of faith to go, this is a a a clearly, if she's not." uh all black or hispanic she's part of each i mean it's pretty clear when you look at her right but she asks him and he says no and i'm i'm going wow like you didn't you come on you really didn't realize that or you what did you just convince yourself and if you listen though if you listen to the added minutes that were not on the uh, the the first part um when you listen to the added minutes, you can see that she kind of uh set that up and, and did that that way because he's and and, and got it out of it, and he's going, well, you carry yourself as a uh uh, what did he say um a dignified uh hispanic uh that's the way people look at you and and uh and as she started throwing it was great oh by the way one of the mentions i got to kick out of this the, the few you got to find some levity in something that's this serious uh, when when matt kemp got brought up in this conversation on the tapes uh and i behoove you guys to go listen to the actual tapes if you guys haven't seen them but uh uh, she brought Matt Kemp up, and she's like, well, he's mixed, too. Just like, isn't that okay? And, uh, and well, Matt Kemp's name, he had a little fun with it yesterday during his game. He actually changed his uh, walk-up music to Black or White by Michael Jackson, which I thought was pretty funny. That's, that's a cool little tongue-in-cheek way of of your, since your name's kind of in the news as just a side piece of this story, I thought that was pretty cute by, uh, Matt Kemp to throw out the, uh, black or white and, uh, and, and put it out there. But anyways, so, and really the heart, by the way, of this recording, I see the guys talking about it in there is, uh, is the lawsuit filed by the Sterling family against her for being involved, uh, in, in the breakup of this relationship and, and embezzling some money and and all of that but uh, but regardless so this conversation continues to to go on and he just continues to bury himself next thing you know uh he's telling her I don't want you to bring
1: black step into the world of power loyalty
0: with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com.
2: No purchase necessary. BTW. Void are prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.
3: People to, the, to my games. And, and at that point, I'm going, dude, are you serious? Like, you your entire roster of players is African American. And you just said you don't want your girl, who by the way is half black, to bring black people to the games your games. I mean, seriously, and I got a kick out of the even though it was in Golden State, I saw a picture going around. LG did a story on it yesterday. I just thought it was funny. Uh one guy held up a sign that said, I brought the black guy with me to the game. And next to him was the black guy holding up the sign that goes, I'm the black guy. You know, I got a kick out of that. Because you gotta have listen, man, foolishness like this uh is ridiculous, you know. So you do have to to find those rays of sunshine. And I'll tell you what, wait until that thing comes back home. And this is where, y'all, you know, I'm going to take this break. I ended up going way into this. I want to come back with this because everybody wants to know what's going to happen. Everybody wants to know what the NBA is going to do. I think the, uh, and and really, the Clippers, uh, in really, they're in a, a, a bad situation uh, just in general because no matter what they choose to do, you're going to have a large group of people thinking that you should have done something else, which is always the case. But I just think it's unfair that they're in this. But anyways, what can the league do? What are the options? What is, because I'll tell you the Clippers word is that they're planning. you thought that the protest that they did the other day was their little way of sticking it to Sterling. They're, they're working on some other things here too. Let's take this break. Come back. We'll wrap up the other side of this conversation about what actually can happen. You know what? Speaking of guys having fun with it, not just uh, Matt Kemp, by the way, but, uh, Speaking of I don't know. Did you guys uh, see the story? I will uh, I'm, I'm gonna try to uh, find it. I want to make sure that I pronounce his name uh, Exactly right here from Barcelona the soccer player Danny Elvis He had a banana Thrown at him during his game in Spain the other day and this is a guy who has been caught up in some racial things before and uh, somebody threw a banana at him He bent down, picked it up, peeled it, and ate it, and then went and took his corner kick and continued the game. Now that, my hat's off to that. I mean, listen, if somebody's going to throw you a banana, don't get mad. Pick it up and eat it, and then go take your shot. But, uh, you know, anyways, we'll pick this up when we come back on the other side of the break because there's more to this. As I said, too, we haven't even touched on the sponsors starting to, to pull out. Like I said, State Farm pulled its sponsorship of the Clippers more expected to do the same and I think the the pressure will continue to mount especially before this thing shifts back to LA because, uh, man, well anyways, we'll, and we'll talk about it because the NBA only has so many things that they can do here. If you think that they can just wave a magic wand and say Sterling be gone, that's not what's going to happen, but we'll pick this up when we come back. We've got John McMullen from the Sports Network, Dan Wismar from the Cleveland fan, and we're talking Sterling, Browns, Indians, NBA playoffs, blue jackets, so much more. We have just begun today on the sports fix, baby.
4: Ah, yes, indeed, it's fun time. This is the sports fix. Are you talking to me? Yes. Are you talking to me? Yes. Are you
0: talking to me? Yes. 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 Hey, call me, Mr.
4: call you whatever you like, as long as we can call you a fan of the Sports Fix.
3: Guys, want to take just a second as we head into this break and remind you about the official business printing source of the Sports Fix, our friends at Signs and Ship. Signs and Ship, I'm telling you, Chris and Pam, they've taken care of me since day one, and they can do the same for you. Whether you're a small business that's already been established and you're looking to grow to that next level and expand your business, or perhaps you've got an idea that you just know is going to be a great business and you need to figure out how to brand it and how to promote it and put it out there, Signs and Ship is the place for you. If you need a logo, they can create one for you. They have a fantastic graphic designer. Business cards, signs, banners, yard signs, mobile advertising, anything you can think of that you need to promote your business, they've got it at Signs and Ship. The best thing about them too is each of their locations, whether it's the home base here in Elyria, Ohio, that I work with, or their spots in Virginia, Florida, and Pennsylvania, it's all local sourced. Very important to me because we all understand that small business is the lifeblood of the community. So check them out, signsandship.com, or call Chris and Pam today, 440-323-6060, the home office in Elyria, Ohio. Signs and Ship, quality printing at affordable prices.
4: Hey everybody,
5: this is Jerry the King Lawler from WWE, and you're listening to The Sports Fix.
3: Indians fans, GV Art and Design has unleashed their new baseball collection. This summer, you've got to have one of the hottest baseball shirts available. Indians themes, GV Art has them covered from top to bottom. Chief Wahoo, keep the Chief, Chief, one of the hottest sellers going today. GV Artwork, knocking it out of the park, teaming up with Michael Brantley to create a custom Dr. Dr. Smooth (laughs) t-shirt, bringing back an old classic GV Artwork, bringing out the wild thing. Give them the heater design. The Cleveland That I Glove collection continues to grow. New designs for women and so much more. GVArtwork.com, bringing it full force to the plate for baseball season this year. Whether you check them out online, GVArtwork.com. Use the sales code FIX10, FIX10, to save 10% on your total purchase, whether you go to their store in Lakewood. Check them out at the Cleveland Indians, team shops around Progressive Field, and so much more. GV Art and Design. It's, it's not, not just a shirt. shirt. It's a statement.
2: SportsFix listeners, like us on Facebook
3: today. Facebook.com slash Fix. I've been a pro wrestler my whole life, so championship belts have always kind of been a way of life to me. But did you know title belts are quickly becoming the fastest rising and the most popular new way for people to celebrate all kinds of things you never would have thought of before? We use it for our Fantasy Football League. It's a really cool conversation piece. Office pools, employee of the month, you name it. There's tons of different trophies that you used to buy plaques for. Well, I'm here to tell you about Pro-Am Championship Championship Belts, who have the highest quality championship belt with the lowest price. Replace those old trophies with stock belts on hand that they can customize for as low as thirty dollars. Any occasion, celebrations, awards, championships, fantasy leagues, gifts. Plus, wrestling, mixed martial arts, boxing. If you need championship belts, check them out. Proam Championship Belt. Proambelts.com. Pro-am Look them up on Facebook. Proam Belts. Trust me, nothing says cool like doing the discount double check with a real championship belt. Just ask Aaron Rodgers. Now you two. Can have one thanks to our O-N championship belts.
2: Portions of the Sports Fix brought to you by Quick Lane at Valley Ford Truck, home of the low price tire guarantee. Quicklane.com slash Valley Ford Truck.
3: Welcome back to the Sports Fix Live here on the thesportsfix.net and across all of our platforms, live and on digital delay. Welcome in each and every one of you guys. J-Rock with you as we keep the show rolling on. We're talking, of course, last segment, picking back up where we left off, talking about Donald Sterling and uh, the L.A. Clippers and the conundrum that the, the NBA now finds itself in here. And you know what? 216-539-7535 is the number to call. Facebook.com slash thesportsfix. Tweet with us at... The Sports Fix, Cle. We'll keep my part of the conversation going in a minute, but let's go to you next. You're live on the Sports Fix, caller. J Rock. Hey, what's How up? How are man? you, my good friend? I'm good. How you doing, my man? Good. About Mister Sterling.
6: Yes. Uh, maybe I saw something, and maybe you will be able to correct me. Is he married with a girlfriend, or is the girlfriend? The reason he's not married, or you know, what is what is the current situation? Is this a girlfriend that he's that he has on the side, or
3: I'm confused what is, too. What is her current status? No, I'm confused too because I've read like, and, and depending on what story you read, some people call the the uh, his wife the wife. Some people say I think. There's divorce proceed. Listen, I'm not 100% uh, uh, sure about this, but I thought that I read that there was divorce proceedings either done or going on. So I thought she was an ex-wife, but apparently maybe not because a lot of people referring to her as his wife. But this was clearly a mistress, yet at the same time. She was obviously allowed to do whatever she wanted. She was allowed to see other people. He made that pretty clear during his statement when he said, "Well, you can do whatever you want with them, just don't put it on Instagram," you know? Um, so apparently but, but, she can sleep they, with them. Because she just last can't night, put the picture last night, out there.
6: They identified a woman sitting front as row as his wife. At, you know, the game, as his wife.
3: Yes. Yes, I know. I, now, I'm a bit I confused totally, about that too. I
6: was totally baffled Unless he's got a, quote, open marriage, which... You no, know, this is Hollywood.
3: This <laughs> is la-la yeah. yeah, la land. And this uh, is a like $2 guess, billion... If
6: you, if, if you have enough money, I guess, that you can afford anything. <laughs> yes,
3: yes. You're a $2 billion guy. You can have a wife who doesn't, who isn't so quick to call herself your ex-wife, and you can have a girl on the side, too, and she can have a guy on the side, too. There's enough money to go around for everybody, apparently, man.
6: Well, even... Okay, now. now that we have that established... The girlfriend um, is of Mexican African American descent, correct?
3: Absolutely, absolutely. Okay, she is black. So,
6: so, so he's telling this 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 non uh, how can I say non Lily White girlfriend of his. Don't bring your own people to the basketball game, including Magic Johnson. I know. Now, now, no, 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 is, is that part. a walking? contradictory to what the girlfriend is all about
3: I thought that that how it got started initially was okay I could like it wasn't just like she took a picture of a boyfriend or a a random African American person and and it could be suspicious. It was a picture with Magic Johnson. There's not exactly anything suspicious about posting a picture uh with a with a famous person. You know what I'm well, saying? Well, you know what
6: son? you know what? Magic had his little indiscretions years ago. Right. Oh, and, yeah, more than just and little. he yeah, made a, a lot. with his wife Cookie I would assume magic is not going to jump out of line, and 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 and,
3: and, right. and have a picture right.
6: posted if if right. if he's indeed having marital rendezvous with with this
3: uh, friend of Mister Storm. I know. I know. This all started because one of his crotchety old friends called him up and said, "Hey, hey, your girl's on there with one of those African Americans on that Instagram thing," and he went. She told me she wasn't going to do that anymore, and then boom, here comes the videotape. Well, isn't, video it, isn't it
6: kind of stupid because you and it's I can stupid. both dance around the issue, but the NBA is predominantly what? Afric- African-American, Absolutely. correct?
3: Absolutely. Like I said, the Clippers have two white guys on the team. I mean, that's just the racial makeup of the L.A. Clippers, right. the team right. that he owns.
6: So, so who, who has made this old fool millions upon millions of dollars? I know. And he, do, and know, he does brother. have the reputation of being cheap, you know, you and I, know no, he gets awards from the NAACP, I hate to burst everyone's bubble, you can buy those
3: awards, though. He did buy those awards, that's the reality of it, he did right. buy those awards, so, right. I'm with you. You.
6: Can, you can buy, oh, I'm the greatest humanitarian in the world award, by the way, here's a million dollar check.
3: I'm telling you, when I heard about that after the lawsuit, I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. This was years ago. I said they gave him an award after the things that he's accused of doing. If you read some of the stories he had. How about the woman who lived in one of his apartment buildings that he was trying to force out as senior citizen? who was flooded. Her apartment was flooded and he literally made her live in the in the water up to Swallowed, whatever. Right, her, right. I mean you're reading Elgin and she dies. Elgin
6: Baylor when El- yes. when other general managers were making seven hundred and fifty thousand, sometimes even a million dollars he was paying Elgin Baylor two hundred and fifty thousand oh,
3: dollars. I texted somebody yesterday, a couple of people. I said, boy, I wish Elgin Baylor, wish he had this audio tape when that lawsuit was going on because uh, he ended up not winning. And and now you look back and you go, how did he not win a racial discrimination suit against this guy? You know what I mean? Because
6: sometimes money and good attorneys talk, and you you and I both know how that goes.
3: All the time, Vic. All the time. ye,
6: ye who has the better attorney at a higher hourly rate usually wins. It's terrible, last but that's the way of the
3: world. Actually, a lot of times now, it's not just that; it's who has the better attorney and who can wait out the other person. Usually, exactly. the person with more money can just wear you down, work you down until you can't afford to keep going and keep fighting, and you give up, and he wins. And that's you that's could only what we're fight.
6: You could only fight the good fight for so long. But, that's right. But these, but these people that say, "Oh, they should have boycotted. They should have not played." That who the hell does that really hurt? It doesn't you hurt know, the owner. It hurts the fans that have supported the team it well, hurts, I'm with you. It hurts the players that have busted their asses for eighty two plus now games. You know if there were every year the clippers could actually win, if nothing else, the western conference
3: this is it, oh yeah. I'll tell you, though, this I think that's changed. I think that's changed, Vic. Um, real quick, anything else before I take what you just said? Because I want to go with where you just what you just said.
6: Well, I, I just want to make a quick quote about the, the Indians. They're damn lucky they're in a watered-down Central Division. I think they're only two and a half games out, which is salvageable. But they had better quit this Salazar-Carrasco, even though they're now coming around. They wonder why they have eight or 9,000 people a night. People don't want to see one, two, three runs a game. Come on, someone has to step up to. Someone has to ring Carlos Santana and say, "Hey, Carlos, season has started. Carlos, come on
3: now." I know, I know. Hey, look, man, four, five, and six went 0 for 29 in that series with the Giants this weekend. Thank I mean, this God was... for two
6: people who they thought would not help us, and that being Murphy and Chisholm. Hall.
3: I agree. Offensively, the 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 Indians this weekend too pointed that out. Um, that hurt them. You know what I mean. Uh, but but you gotta hey, how you know that was a good pitching staff you're facing too. I mean, I, but it doesn't change the fact that this is a whole season we're talking about. Yeah, not but just... my guy
6: David yes. Huff.
3: Yes, David I know. Huff. Oh, I know. I know. Christ, he couldn't even make the Indians. I I remember David Huff. Yes, I know. <laughs> <laughs> I know. man. Okay, J Rock. I'll let you go. All right my man we're going to talk more about that in just a little bit. Thanks for the call Vic, but right where he left off, the the, the protest. And and I get I want to pick up what he said cuz that's where I was going to go before the call talking about they shouldn't play. And and obviously as a human being, a lot of people had that first instinct was man, I wouldn't play. And this is where I thought the NBA did not put the Clippers in a good position just as people, as human beings because there's nobody that would you would be fooling yourself if you didn't think that every player on the Clippers was not hearing from everybody they know, from their family, from their friends. Every Tom, Dick, and Harry had an opinion about what they should do. And, and you know, with this thing going viral, social media so fast and, and spreading like wildfire around the world, it took on significance beyond just players in basketball. Now you're getting pressure from Groups Now you're getting pressure from racial groups as well. I mean, all of a sudden, I mean, I thought what an unfair situation that these guys should have to consider what they're going to do here. They should be focused on the playoffs. And and really, I agree. I thought before Saturday, I thought, man, the Clippers have a shot to run through this Western Conference here, especially the way they woke up in games two and three there. I thought maybe the Clippers had figured it out and and they were going to really do some damage here. I got to tell you, I don't think they get out of the first round now. I think that the distraction here is so big, and and it's going to get even worse when they go back home. And I thought I thought the NBA should have suspended immediately an indefinite suspension just to take the players off the hook. Because, so, I, you know, I didn't think it was fair because I saw it. And if you do, if you look all over the Internet, it's a wide place. You get to see a lot of people's opinions, man. A lot of people questioning those guys for for playing even for considering playing and and i didn't think it was fair that these guys should have to weigh you know what was the social ramifications of their decision here and and all of that and i thought you know what the nba can take the players off the hook here they could take doc rivers off the hook suspend him for the playoffs Let them get through this and then deal with it. I mean, the first comments from Doc Rivers, I'm going to tell you now, Doc Rivers is not coming back to the Clippers, man. Doc Rivers will not be coaching the Clippers next year. I got a really gut feeling about that uh, from the first words that he said. He said, look, we got to get through this thing here, and then I don't know nothing about the future. We just got to get through this. And really – uh, in general, that's going to be a lot. But the NBA, I thought, bam, okay, step up, suspend him indefinitely through the playoffs, deal with it after the playoffs are over. As far
1: Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing the Godfather at ChompaCasino.com.
0: Jumma. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No restrictions. plus conditions apply. See website for details.
3: Or is whatever extended punitive measures you're going to make, boom. Let the players focus. Just take them off the hook. The last thing that Chris Paul needs, and I'm not saying this is going to happen, but I'm just saying, you know how these things go. The last thing Chris Paul needs is to be here in – Pressure from any kind of different groups, whether you're talking about ethnic groups, whether you're talking about social groups, active groups, uh, no matter what. Oh, you went out there and played or, you know, I, I heard some people say, oh, man, the guys that are playing are sellouts, man. They should be standing tall. If this was another generation, they would have boycotted. I agree with. What a lot of people said as far as these guys did not get into this to win for Donald Sterling. They did it to win for themselves. I understand that point. Unfortunately, the backlash of winning, no matter what, does benefit him. But regardless, what a bad situation. And then now the NBA obviously is expected to act before the Clippers return home to continue this series, which I think is going to be ugly. I think the Clippers' best bet was to stay on the road for this whole thing at this point, because when it comes back home, I think you're going to see protests. They're already bringing in additional police and security. I think there's going to be a lot. The Clippers, they made their statement in Game or in excuse me, in Game 4, took off the, the warm-ups, put them at center court, flipped their things, in, their, their uh, warm-up shirts inside out, Uh, wore the black socks and the black armbands to show their protest. Uh, Word is now they're considering doing even more. They're looking into if they can remove the word Clippers from the front of their jersey before the game. It's not sure whether the league is going to allow them to do that and if they're going to even have enough time to make those changes. But those are some of the things that they've talked about doing to continue protesting while they continue playing guess what every second that they spend thinking about that stuff is time that they should have spent thinking about how to beat the golden state warriors i just i really do think this is the the one of the one of the the big casualties of this are the players on that clippers team who put in a great season and who had just prepared for this playoff run who knows where it would have ended but now just like I said, the the fact that they're having meetings and talking about this instead of having meetings and talking about how to stop uh, Curry, how to stop the Warriors, how to win these games. Instead, they're worrying about these type of things, and it just, it's only going to get worse as this thing comes back home. And the fact that it's L.A. and a major media market, it just piles it all on that. So people say, what can the NBA do? I got news for you, and everybody had their opinion, from Michael Jordan to Magic Johnson, obviously, to to LeBron James, every player in the NBA. I know Kevin Johnson's working with the Players Association. Now, they have a list. They've actually given – the Players Association has given the NBA a list of what they want to happen uh, for now to uh, go forward and and then deal with it. And and I'm going to tell you, I don't know how much of that – Uh, that they think that that they've listed there that they think is going to happen because it cannot happen. First things first, as, uh, you know, Michael, uh, excuse me, uh, LeBron James said, oh, well, there's no place for an owner like that. He needs to be gone. News for you. There is nothing, zero, zilch that anybody can do to make that man sell that basketball team. You can't, not only can't you do it, but he will sue you if you try, and he will win because you cannot force him to sell. The only thing in the NBA constitution that you can force an owner to sell for is if he is not paying the bills. If players are not getting paid, if arenas are not getting paid, whatever. If debts are not being filled, financial obligations are not being filled. That is the only way the NBA can force an, an owner out of, out of the league. That's just all there is to it. They can try they can influence, they can say, they can make it hard on him behind the scenes. Nobody can talk to him. They can give him the silent treatment, I guess. Those kind of things. You can try to make it as uncomfortable as possible for him, but you cannot take his team. Not only that, but you can't go crazy with the other punitive damages as well. The maximum fine that the NBA can fine an owner is $1 million. That's the maximum for the most egregious offense. You can fine an owner $1 million. Donald Sterling is worth $2 billion. $2 billion. That $1 million is not exactly going to, you know, break the back of the camel there with it. And, And that's it. That is the maximum fine that the NBA can level. The only thing the NBA can do is suspend him. Now, that... They can do. They can suspend him. They can suspend him indefinitely. They can bar him from being in the building. Think about Steinbrenner. Think about Marge Schott. Think about there are precedents where leagues have stepped in and pushed guys out. Now they still own the team. They still make all the money. It's still theirs. They're just not their persona non grata. That is is what is going to happen, no doubt. There's going to be a suspension. It'll probably be indefinite and then go forward from there as far as an actual length of it, uh, keeping him banned from these buildings. But that is, is, that's it. That's what the NBA can do. Um, And trust me, there's things that the NBA doesn't have to do. I mean, this guy, he can never come back to his building again. Let's be real. And, and I'm not saying this in a feel sorry for the guy. I'm saying this in a, this is the reality. A guy with the ego, you don't own a sports franchise unless you dig the ability to show it off. Bring your friends, sit at courtside, be the man, trump through the locker room, and pat your players on the back and say, hey, these are my guys. No, no more. There, there will be no happy place at Staples Center for Donald Sterling. Period going forward, so so you have taken away that th- whole thing from him, which is which is more of a punishment than it sounds like. Because when you got a big ego and your big money and you like to, he, a guy like him, sociable, he likes to be around people, likes to be the center of the of things. He's the 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 big e, e- gregarious. Wealthy guy, you know, you take that away from him. You take away his centerpiece, you know. Uh, he he very quickly becomes a lonely old man looking for places to spend his money. But the basketball arena won't be one of them. I mean, that's, but that is, that is, that's the only real punitivity you can do when it comes to this situation. The NBA's own constitution, the the NBA's only Remedy that is suspension. I mean, really. I mean, there's not. You can't kick him out. You cannot make him sell that team. Abso- absolutely cannot. And like I said, if the NBA was to try to overstep those bounds, they'll get sued. And and he will win. That's the amazing part. Is he would win if he di- if that if it came to that, and then he would be the one. You know, it's like amazing that the the situation. But uh, it is sticky. I think that the NBA, whatever they do, needs to be done quickly. I mean, we, I think there's a potential for uh, Let's talk, – we're talking L.A. We're talking about a big market. We're talking about big media. I mean, everything that happens there is going to be 100 times had the same thing happened in a, a media market the size of Cleveland. So you add all of that to it, it's like gasoline on the fire. And uh, – at the very minimum, and they they did, he was going to go to game four. He was going to go attend game four before the NBA told him that might not be such a good idea. You you should not go to the building until we get a chance to sit down and talk. Unbelievable there. I'm telling you. Um, there's plenty more to come from this, you guys. We'll continue the conversation. I'm going to take a break. I know John McMullen from the Sports Network. He's coming on next. He covered the NBA for quite some time. I'm sure he's got something to say about this as well. We're going to talk to John next about Ray Farmer's press conference, the Browns, Vince Young, Tyra Thigpen in town for the week. We'll talk about that and... How far can a team go to keep the home field advantage? We'll talk NFL news and notes with John McMullen from the Sports Network, Dan Wismar from the Cleveland fan coming up to talk Tribe, and, hey, Buckeyes fans, the SEC, they're going to make teams schedule those tough games. The Big Ten needs to be listening and following that example. We'll talk about that with Dan Wismar coming up and so much more. Jones! John Bones Jones! Oh, he mauled Glover Toshiro. We're gonna talk about that, the Blue Jackets, and so much more. Dan Wismar, John McMullen coming up next here on the Sports Fix. Oh,
4: yeah.
2: You unlock this door with the key of imagination. Beyond it is another dimension. A dimension of sound. A dimension of mind. You're moving into a land of both shadow and substance, of things and ideas.
1: You've just crossed over into the Sports Fix. We'll be right back.
3: Before we go to the break, guys, I want to talk to you just a second about our friends at GV Art and Design. Baseball's here once again. Cleveland, of course, excited, and GV Artwork teaming up with the Indians, and they're both going to knock it out of the park this season and listen to some of the new designs they've got for Cleveland baseball fans everywhere. They've dug out an old classic, and they're bringing the heat with the new wild thing, Give Them the Heater Ricky design. GV Artwork is teaming up with Cleveland fan favorite Michael Brantley and created a custom Dr. Smooth t-shirt. Plus, don't forget, they've got the Cleveland That I Glove collection, New Tribal and Cleveland That I Love designs for women, and so much more. You can get GV Artwork designs on the website, gvartwork.com, and don't forget to use the sales code FIX10, that's FIX10, and you'll save 10% on your purchase. Or you can check out their new store in Lakewood on Detroit Avenue, check them out in the Indians team shops, and so much more. Cleveland That We All Love, GV Artwork design It's not just a shirt, it's a statement.
1: It's an addiction. The Sports Fix will be
3: right back. Whether it's an oil change or a new set of tires... Quick Lane at Valley Ford Truck has you covered for your automotive car care needs. They're your neighborhood quick service experts. They also offer a low price tire guarantee. Choose from 13 brands, and if you find the same tires at a lower price within 30 days, Quick Lane at Valley Ford will refund the difference. They're open late Monday through Thursday until 9 p.m. and open early Saturday so you can check it off your to do list and get on with your day. They also have a newly remodeled service lounge and additional service bay just for Quick Lane oil changes. Quick Lane at Valley Ford. Ford truck is located at 5715 Canal Road, right under the 480 Bridge in Valley View, just down the road from Independence. 5715 Canal Road, right under the 480 Bridge in Valley View, just down the road from Independence. Come see why life is better in the quick lane. Quicklane.com slash Valley Ford truck. That's quicklane.com slash Valley Ford truck.
2: No football? No problem at Harry Buffalo North Olmsted. From their awesome Wing Mondays to every single Cavaliers and Buckeye Hoops games in full HD, the excitement never stops. Every day of the week brings a different set of food and amazing drink specials. Fight fans, Harry Buffalo North Olmsted is the home for every UFC pay-per-view live on the big screens. And let's not forget their mouth-watering trademark, the Bison Burger. Nobody does bison like Harry Buffalo. The perfect combination of healthy and delicious. What are you waiting for? Get to Harry Buffalo, just outside Great Northern Mall today. Harry Buffalo, Buffalo. join the herd. herd. Portions of the Sports Fix brought to you by Signs and Ship, the official printing source of the Sports Fix. Locations in Ohio, Pennsylvania, Virginia, and Florida. Find out more at SignsAndShip.com.
7: I'm Doug Brown. Rochelle Sterling, the estranged wife of Clippers owner Donald Sterling, says in a statement that she and her children do not share the despicable views and prejudices held by her husband. Rochelle Sterling attended Sunday's Game 4 in Oakland against the Warriors. Her husband stayed away. The team will be back home for Game 5 tomorrow night with the series tied at 2. Tonight, three games on the playoff schedule. The Heat try for a sweep of the Bobcats in Charlotte. The Pacers and Hawks play game five in Indianapolis, with that series tied at two. And the Mavericks have a 2 1 lead over the Spurs for game four tonight in Dallas. Basketball Hall of Famer Dr. Jack Ramsey died today in Florida. Ramsey was a coaching legend in Philadelphia at St. Joseph's and then coached 20 seasons in the NBA, winning a championship in Portland in 1977. He then spent more than 20 years in broadcasting, including here at ESPN Radio. Dr. Jack Ramsey was 89 years old. Dodgers lefty Clayton Kershaw will make one more minor league rehab start on Wednesday. Ferguson is the country's largest
4: distributor of plumbing products. They've been the trusted source for plumbing and mechanical pros across America for over 60 years. Now they've added Ferguson Pro Plus, where pros earn points for every product they buy online. Check out Pro Plus at Ferguson.com.
1: You're listening to The Sports Fix.
3: Welcome back to the Sports Fix Live here on the sportsfix.net. Wow, creeping up at the end of the first hour here. Just about 10 minutes to go here in hour one. J-Rock back with you guys as we roll on. Thank you for being with us. And uh, a lot of comments coming in. Man, I jumped in the chat room. I hadn't been in there and refreshed it in a few minutes. There's like 70 comments (laughs) waiting for me there when I checked on it. That last couple of segments talking about Donald Sterling, and I'm sure that we are not done with that. As a matter of fact, I, of course, I said I want to ask my man, John McMullen. John spent uh, some time on the NBA beat as well. I'm sure he's got uh, some opinions as well, too. So getting ready to go to those phone lines and talk to John McMullen from the Sports Network. He's with us every Monday. We talk NFL. Ray Farmer just had some things to say as the Browns prepare for the draft. Vince Young in town. So much more. So I'll tell you what, guys. The phone lines are closed to you, but you can keep the conversation going on Facebook. Facebook.com slash the Sports Fix. You can tweet with us at... The Sports Fix CLE, or you can email us, thesportsfix at AOL.com. I'm going to go to the phone lines at this time and welcome John McMullen back to The Sports Fix. John, how are you doing this Monday afternoon?
5: Doing well. How are you, Jerry?
3: Hey, I am doing all right. Thank you so much for being here with us, as always. And like I said, before we dive into the football, I know you spent a lot of time covering the NBA. Two things I wanted to uh, get your thoughts on. And a lot of people, I think younger people, um, not uh, hip to what Dr. Jack Ramsey was all about, but his passing, uh, he, he had quite the storied career, and as well, this, obviously, the brouhaha going around the Clippers here with what happened with Donald Sterling. Let me get your thoughts on those uh, basketball topics before we switch over into the NFL.
5: Well, do, uh, Dr. Jack Ramsey, especially here in Philadelphia, where we're based, is such a big deal. You know, he's a Philadelphia native, uh, you know, pretty much made his bones uh, at St. Joseph's and then coached Philadelphia 76ers. And then really won an NBA championship, if you think about it, in 1976-77 in Portland, and, and he beat the Sixers, and that was that great team with Julius Irving and George McGinnis, so. Yeah. Uh, every, everything kind of cross, uh, cross-sect in his life here in Philadelphia, so I think it's even, even a bigger deal here, but you're talking about a Hall of Fame coach, and a Hall of Fame level broadcaster, really. He was tremendous when he, When he went into that second career and he's one of those guys like you know there's very few of them yubi brown is another one you can turn on uh they just have that ability to explain what's going on to the casual or average fan uh that doesn't really maybe you know pay all that much attention to the to the mechanics of the game so uh he was one of those guys he's just a great communicator he's a great guy too he's just uh uh, always had positive things to say about uh, everyone, and you know, pretty much the, the exact opposite, I guess, of a of a Donald Sterling.
3: Absolutely, I'm just one of those, uh, you know, rare missing breeds nowadays. A little bit different than the, than what they churn out now, both in the coaching ranks and broadcasting, like you said there.
6: Yeah, and and I think
5: you know, uh, you know, so many, obviously no matter what sport you you follow obviously ex coaches and and ex players uh get into the the industry as color commentators and it, it really is one of those things that uh people take for granted because when you hear somebody's really really good at it uh and and it it really stands out uh, you know if I, if I go over to the NFL I was you know I was kind of amazed I at one I covered him as a player. If you would have said Troy Aikman to me would be a great color commentator, I would have looked at you cross-eyed. But, you know, he just had a natural ability to do it, and, and, and he's come across, he's probably...
0: Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for
5: details. One of the best going right now, uh, and some people just have that natural gift to be able to explain things a little bit easier than other people, and uh, that's what I always think of uh, for the younger fans, especially you don't recognize what what Jack Ramsey was as a coach. Uh, They certainly recognized what he was as a broadcaster.
3: And see, I'm one of those younger guys that... At first, was introduced to him as a broadcaster and I actually had to do my research years ago to figure out you know why he was where he was and why people you know respected him that way because to me he's you know he's an older guy on television and I'm going hmm but once you obviously as I did once you learn and you research and you learn the history of your sport and, and things like that then you totally get it then you go oh wow man you know I get it now you know but a lot of people unfortunately in today's society don't do that they don't go back and learn the history and they don't respect it which is uh which is a shame unfortunately it's only your own uh, detriment when you do that
5: yeah it is and you know guys get kind of forgotten and you know because he had his greatest success on the nba level in portland and obviously that's not the the biggest market in the world uh but the fact that he was able to take a, a franchise like that to to the nba championship will you know, pretty much tells you, uh, what kind of coach he was. And, and the fact, you know, a lot of people probably don't realize he was, you know, when he retired, uh, I think he was the second winningest coach in history. So, uh, in NBA history when he, when he actually finished up. So, you know, people have passed him since, but it tells you just how good he was, uh, when he was doing it.
3: I think that happens a lot, just in general, when uh, people people don't look at where, and just in general about athletes from another generation, they don't look at where they ranked in stuff at the time they played and retired. Sometimes, so sometimes a guy will look, and they'll be like, "Oh, well, yeah, he was." 25th on the list in passing yards or whatever uh, and that you don't realize that he was second on the list when he retired or something like that and then obviously that has expanded since then which i think changes the way you look at it because you can only compete against what's there at the time you know what i mean
5: yeah it certainly does and i i I, you know in football you always talk about all those great 70s quarterbacks whether you you know you start with bradshaw and you go to Stallback and Tarkenton and Stabler and Greasy and people look at their statistics now and say, oh, they weren't that good. It was a different game. It was, you know, you were allowed to play defense. You were allowed to, to kind of beat up the receivers, and you know, the, it was just a much more level playing field. So the fact that those guys were able to do what they, what they did under those rules. Uh, it speaks to it of course they're not going to throw for four thousand forty-five hundred yards it wasn't possible in that era yep. and, and I think people don't understand that you know similar as you mentioned with Jack Ramsey I mean you go back to his college career as I said he was a a college coach here in Philadelphia at St. Joseph's which is you know people know that school and it's a uh, you know, sometimes they have a run. They were pretty good with Jameer Nelson and, and Delonte West a few years ago. Uh, but, you know, he, he was the guy who took them to their only final four. So, uh, and, and, and they were a consistent, you know, tournament team under, under Jack Ramsey. So, uh, he's one of those coaches who did it at the college level and the professional level. Uh, and, you know, yeah, it is a shame that it kind of, uh, gets lost in the, in you know the the news of today, but you know he he had a obviously passed away at eighty nine so he had a right a very long and productive life and it's been a long time since he was a coach in the n b a so I kind of understand why people forgot, but they need to know he was a hall of fame coach he's he's in the hall of fame already and he he's probably going to go in again as a broadcaster sometime in the future.
3: That says something when you go in twice, Dr. Jack Ramsey. And while we're talking hoops, of course, the the, the polar opposite of what we're talking about here, a guy respected by everybody, uh, Donald Sterling. Real quick, to add to what we've been talking about, not only State Farm, who we mentioned a little bit ago, who have put a pause in their relationship with the Clippers, which is a bit short of completely cutting the cord, but the— Uh, sponsor CarMax came out, and they officially became the first one to cut the cord today as they released a statement this morning that said they find the statements attributed to the Clippers owner completely unacceptable. They directly conflict with CarMax's culture of respect, and these statements necessitate that we end our sponsorship, and that is just the beginning. Obviously, multiple more people deciding that as well. What are your thoughts there as well? I mean, really, I talked in the last segment about the limited, the handcuffing that the NBA is really going to be able to do. The best they can do in this situation is suspend him and then make it as uncomfortable a situation as possible and try to encourage him to leave, but you can't make him go anywhere.
5: No, I mean, it's his team, and I, I think as you said, the market will handle this eventually, and the fact that you know people will start to refuse to do business with him, but at the end of the day he's the owner of the franchise and you know uh there there isn't much you can do and the fact that you know this is not a surprise to the people that have been in this league no. and covered this league and you know he said he had the problem with Elgin Baylor back in the day he had the problem with Baron Davis I think he was sued two or three times for you know he made most of his money in real estate uh and he was sued uh, two or three times for refusing to, to rent, uh, to African Americans yes. and and, and Mexican Americans. So, uh, you know, it, it it's not a surprise to people that have covered the league, uh, for a while. Uh, and you know, it is what it is. Uh, he's a bad guy. And, and I think people need to understand that. And, you know, I, I hate to say don't make a big deal out of it because I understand why people are outraged, but I guess what what surprises me is the level of surprise. Uh, That's it. I, yep. I, you know, it to me it's like if you know someone's like this, why do you why are you surprised when he says something stupid uh on an audio tape and and, and at the end of the day, if you don't have any respect for the guy to begin with, uh you know, move on and go about your business uh as i said let the market take care of it I, I i i kind of feel for the nba simply because there's not much they can do uh if they did i mean i i, I can tell you firsthand I, I think david stern would have liked to got uh, gotten rid of him numerous times uh over his tenure as nba commissioner and and that's not for any racism charges that's because he was such a horrible owner right right uh uh, and the fact that you know he he as far as you know competitive balance went and things like that uh he just didn't do the things necessary for so long so
4: that's true but you know you're
5: talking about a guy who's worth two billion dollars so i know you know what are you going to do to him what I, i i guess my question to the people who are you know, have the pitchforks and the and, and the torches out. I, I mean, at the end of the day, what are you going to do to him? Uh, uh Take the Clippers away from him? Then he's just going to sue the league. He's going to sue. That's
3: what I said. And he'll win. He won't yeah, just sue the league. Yeah, and he will win. He will win. Yes. Uh, yes. People have to
5: understand that, uh, you know. Uh, and I'm not saying it's – I'm not trying to defend him at any end. No, mean, he's a bad you're right, guy. Uh, But there's only so much you can do, and – uh, I think the NBA will do, you know, similar we, we talked about this a, a couple you know, weeks ago when we were talking about Ursay in Indianapolis and his problems and, and there's so, and the players were all outraged and said, Okay, let's see what, what Roger Goodell's gonna gonna do to an owner. Well, it's not the same thing. Uh you know, there's a collective bargain agreement in basketball as there is in football. And it's between uh, the players and and ownership. It doesn't cover the owners. Now, you can do certain limited things as far as being a detriment to the game, and the NBA will do that, as the NFL will uh, in Urse's case. But uh, as far as forcing someone to sell something that's theirs, you're right, Jerry. I mean, that's very, very difficult to do.
3: Absolutely. I'll tell you, I don't know if you heard, but the the story coming out of L.A. this morning, which this could be an interesting offseason turn in this thing, depending on, of course, his willingness to do it. But Magic Johnson and his group of investors have already talked to the NBA and are trying to put a, a plan in motion to at least broach the topic with Sterling of buying the Clippers from him which is kind of ironic considering that a picture with Magic Johnson started this whole thing but uh quickly Magic Johnson has made it very clear that he has the team put together and would be interested if Sterling was willing to sell which of course is the is the trick to the whole thing
5: well and that that'll have to be the how it's done it'll have to be a a consideration you know someone's going to have to convince Sterling that You know, it's untenable for him to own this team moving forward. Nobody's going to do business with him. And that might be possible because, you know, that's one of the third rails in our society to talk about race and talk about it the way he did it. So there are going to be a lot of businesses not willing uh, to advertise or sponsor the L.A. Clippers moving forward. That might be the tipping point that forces him to sell. But, again, it will have to be done Uh, He'll be involved in the negotiations, obviously. It's not going to be the NBA saying, you have to sell this team. It's going to be, you know, Donald Sterling finally realizing that he's gone too far uh, and the Clippers aren't going to be able to be successful under his watch. problem is he's never shown an inclination that he cares one way or the other. So it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. But, uh, you know, again... Uh, this is not a surprise at any level and, and i think anybody who's who's known him and 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 been in that organization uh isn't surprised by these uh uh words and and, and the fact that you know it, it, the way it came out and, and and the fact that his girlfriend is you know uh, yeah. <laughs> part african and part and part mexican is, I know. it's hilarious <laughs> it's it's you know but he is what he is and
4: you know uh, what, To though? get
5: upset by people, unfortunately, you know, on a broader level, you know, and I, I tell this to people so many times. Uh, unfortunately, the product of living in a free society is you have to deal with some idiots on occasion. Yep, and and that's better than not having a free society and and not having people that can express their views. Uh, as much as you hate those views, unfortunately, we would all like everyone to be more enlightened. But that's just not the real world.
3: Nope, absolutely. I'm telling you, that is the price of the freedoms that we have. That's what people go over there and fight for. And you know what? All of this, if he does sell the team, he'll end up making a billion or more dollars for this team. And, it's, and I thought, too, you talked about uh, you know, how he ran the team bad for so long. He was always one of the most profitable owners. So... You know, I mean, he, you know, whatever. But, but the pressure. Well, I didn't say he
5: ran can, it badly for him. Huh? <laughs> no, he just ran
3: it badly for the, they went 20 plus years without a playoff game. Yeah. And he's routinely one of the best, uh, profit wise owners of the NBA. That's why things went the way they did, uh, over in La La Land. But like you said, you know, the, the NBA, it would have to be made uncomfortable through outside forces. That's going to come through sponsors. And I'm just going to end it with this. Doc, I already said early at the beginning of the show, I think Doc Rivers walks win, lose, or draw it the end of this season i think that he will not uh come back next year as as the coach i could be wrong if things change obviously but i'm assuming that if, if nothing else happens if that's his team and i mean i see not only sponsors but i see player wise you can't tell me listen the nba is a fraternity of guys that that are you know not everybody of course people look out for themselves but you know there's going to be pressure there Hey, we don't play for the Clippers, you know, nobody well, it, can the just, it, for the Clippers.
5: it can certainly affect them as far as free agency and They'll guys wanting to go again. there. as far as far as guys being under contract, you know, they might ask for a trade but at the end of the day obviously they don't have all that much you know, leverage in the fact right, that the guys it, they it's have very, now. very difficult to walk away from, you know, the contracts most NBA players have.
3: Well, a coach, uh, in Doc Rivers' case, he could, as long as he doesn't coach anywhere else during the, the length of time that he has left. You can walk away. You can just say, I'm burned out, I'm done, I'm retired. Well, yeah, you
5: can walk away, and I said, but you're not yeah. going to get paid. And, and, and That's it's very difficult for people uh, to walk away from that type of lifestyle. I, you know, I mean, when you're I making agree. seven figures, and in some case eight figures, uh, in the NBA, if you're a real top-tier talent, uh, it's easy to say, you know, as a protest, I'm not gonna play next year, I'm gonna sit out. Uh, but you know, when those checks aren't rolling in, you know, that can, that can I be a much I more know. difficult fact so to take.
3: I said that about guys sitting out the game yesterday. I had friends telling me, hey, that's what I would do. I'd go, it's so easy for me or you or or anybody else to say that's what we would do because we're not the one that is actually in that situation. You know, let's. Hey, I'm talking to my football guy and a basketball conversation broke out here. But you, what you said, talking about getting away and it's not that easy, let's jump right there to segue into something I did want to talk to you about. Ray Farmer confirmed this morning. Talk about somebody who's not ready to walk away yet, Vince Young. Third overall pick back in 2006. He hasn't played in the league since 2011. He's participating in the Browns minicamp this week. Uh, he's signed a, a small deal for a tryout, as has Tyler Thigpen as well. A lot of that because the Browns need arms. This is a mini-camp week. Hoyer's still just coming back from the injury. All you've got is Alex Tanney. So clearly these are some arms in camp, but it doesn't hurt to take a look at Vince Young, see if he's got something to be that third veteran quarterback to help you know with whoever you draft. But pretty much, do you see that as arms in for camp? Yeah,
6: there's
5: no question about it. And that's what I said last week. I mean, they'll only have two quarterbacks under contract for a mini camp. And, and one of them, as you said, is coming off the ACL. So, uh, it's just not, it's not possible. I mean, you have to have arms to throw the football. Now, you know, that said, you probably want four for training camp too. So I I don't think they're just gonna I I do think they are gonna sign either Tyler or or Vince Young and and bring them. They him did to sign camp. both of
3: them. They signed them short term. Uh, Ray Farmer. No, no, yeah, I been
5: for an actual to bring him to training camp. Oh, I got you. Uh, okay. But as far as the tryout, the look at them both and decide which one they want to move bring forward because you're gonna need you're gonna need four quarterbacks for training camp anyway. So you know that would be. Uh, that would be Hoyer, that would be tanny that would be the guy you could draft and then you know tyler Thigpen, or vince young would be the four so generally you're going to bring that many to camp anyway so
3: do you think uh, seriously that vince young has anything left in the tank i mean just asking as two guys talking football
5: no no uh you know he he's got uh, obviously athletic abilities mechanics have been you know atrocious since day one uh, I think people have, have, you know, kind of caught up to that fact and there was never any incremental improvement. That's the one thing you can look at. You can come into the league raw and I think people saw the athleticism and saw his ability, uh, to make plays down the field and, and, and said, we can teach him. Uh, but as the years went on, clearly there wasn't that improvement, uh, coming together. And, and the fact that he hasn't gotten a chance, uh, over the past you know few years should tell you all you need to know he's certainly been uh wanting a chance he's been very you know vocal in the said that he wants back in the league and he wants to try and and you know i think he deserves that opportunity and i i don't think it's a a bad move by cleveland to take a look it can't hurt uh but yeah i'm not you know i'm not going to uh snow people and say vince young might be the answer i mean that's no. Uh, that's, you know, that's, uh, like putting it all on black and just praying, uh, you know, and, and red comes up you can't do that. Uh, it's just right now he'd be coming in as a, a, you know, basically a, a third quarterback and, and just trying to move up from there. Uh, and it's something you need, uh, but you know, it's not something you can count on by any stretch of the imagination.
3: No, and and I agree with you. It's not anything that I look at anything serious or long-term either. I mean, it was obvious to me. People – I didn't even – I saw Vince Young start popping up all over my Twitter, and I'm like, oh, oh, Vince Young must be coming. I figured it out, but I'm like, hey, look, man, you got Tanny, you got trick shot Tanny, and and who knows what you got out of Hoyer. You've got to have some people to throw some balls to these players on the rest of the team. Like, uh, I mean, so I don't know why. I mean, there's literally some people that just acted like the Browns brought these guys in to compete
0: Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website
2: for details.
5: And, you know, it's tough. When somebody was that high profile in college and, and, and you that are. high, you know, third overall pick, you know, people tend to not forget and they see the I name like and Vince they say, Young, wow, man. Vince Young.
3: I liked him, uh, but, his early career. I, I liked Vince Young. Vince Young, 10 years ago, I would have been all about him playing for the Browns, you know? Well, yeah, and
5: if you think about his early years in Tennessee, you know, maybe the numbers weren't that great, the accuracy certainly wasn't there, but what he did was he, he won a lot of football games. Yeah, For the first few years, he, he had a good record as a starting quarterback, and he was you know, sort of shaping up as that guy that would win games. He'd make that play for you in that key situation and, and maybe did win ugly, but you know, it's about winning. It's not about uh style points. And then it just kinda of went off the rails from there. He had some personal problems. Uh, you remember that time when he when he won A Wall from the Titans and they were actually concerned for his safety. Yes.
4: He uh and the fact
5: that he had some depression issues and things like that and Ever since then, it, he, he hasn't really gotten uh, gotten it back on track, and you know it's hard to imagine after this long being away that he would be able to to, to turn it around. But uh, you know, stranger things have happened. But I, you know, again, I, I wouldn't think of this as anything more than trying to find a, a third string quarterback.
3: Ray Farmer's quote on the acquisition of Vince Young: He said he's had success in the NFL. We wanted to see where he was. We followed him through the off season. He's done some things that caught our eye, made us take note, so we wanted to bring him in and see what that looked like. And that pretty much is what we're talking about. I'll tell you too. Um and you're right. I I look for them to continue. They've got another camp coming up. Then you'll have the uh the draft and the rookies and all of that. So uh uh, expect to see these guys around for a while. I want to talk to you too, getting away from the Browns specifically. I just got a kick out of this story. I know, I don't know if you've seen it or not. Uh, uh, the deal with the tickets uh the fan, the 49ers suing the NFL because he was not able to buy tickets to to games in Seattle. He's suing the NFL for 50 million dollars, accuses them of economic discrimination. Because they won't allow out of town uh, ticket sales to try to maintain that home field advantage. Have you heard about this?
5: I have, and and, and this is a perfect example. We could bring this conversation full circle. This is a perfect example of why the NBA can't do anything about Donald Sterling. It's basically, we have such a litigious society that you have a fan thinking he's going to win $50 million. First of all, it's the Seattle Seahawks. It's not the NFL. I, I mean, I think this is going to be thrown out pretty quickly. What I, what I would say to that fan, is, you know, the Seahawks certainly have every right to not sell playoff tickets uh, in you know the San Francisco area. I would say get a get a friend from outside the area, <laughs> tell <laughs> to him buy to the buy tickets. the tickets for you. Yeah. and and there, problem solved. It's not it's not brain surgery. Uh, but I yeah, I think he's going to get a big payday out of that and and the fact that he could get a lawyer to bring this suit you know tells you tells you where we are as a society society and how difficult it is to to get things done uh because you have people bringing up these you know frivolous lawsuits at times
3: i got that's why i had to ask you because i'm reading it and i'm going okay you want 50 million dollars Because they wouldn't let you. And according to the lawsuit uh, for the playoff game in question, Seattle would only allow tickets to be sold to credit cards with addresses that belong to the surrounding states, which was Washington, Oregon, Montana, Idaho, Alaska. And Hawaii, as well as a few places in Canada as well and uh which uh, my first thought was exactly what you said like i've heard of things like this before, like uh sometimes you can't sign up for certain things if you're only in the United States or if you're whatever, so you find a way around that, and I'm like, man, first off, it was only credit cards, you couldn't have just paid cash somewhere for the tickets and, and bought them that way or or got somebody else, or just went and bought one of those prepaid credit cards and put an address on it. In the state of Washington, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, it, a lot of it It really
5: doesn't take much to, no, to you know beat the system. So you know, the fact that he's not working hard enough. <laughs> to, <laughs> I mean, maybe he didn't want but to go to the s- game that badly.
3: Look at uh, the society but, we live in, man. He's yeah. suing for fifty million dollars because he's what was the word? He said they wanted to build a uh, an artificial home uh, home field advantage and. Uh, and it's because of the uh, the public uh, building the stadiums and, and all of that stuff is why he thought he could do that. I just – I got a kick out of it, man. I'm like, wow. And $50 million, What made you pick $50 million? Like, not going to well, – I'll tell you what. There? If he
5: wins the lawsuit, it'll have Ooh. me thinking, you know, well, maybe, maybe – I'm suing uh,
3: somebody, man. I'm, yeah. I'm suing the bro- – if he wins – I'm suing the Browns for 15 years of bad football because we do There you go. A,
5: it's a perfect pub- example. Perfect example. <laughs> I'm serious, I mean, man. It's certainly a season ticket holder you know, of Cleveland class for the action. past 15 years could, could certainly uh, get a class action suit going. I'm sure somebody you know? would take that case.
3: Absolutely. If this guy wins, I'm with you. If this guy wins, we're filing a class action suit against the NFL for the brand of football that they have given Cleveland since 1999. There you go, man. Unbelievable. It's going to be interesting to see how quick that gets tossed or or if it does get some, some traction through things there. But listening to Ray Farmer this morning as we get ready to wrap things up, I did get a statement out of what he said, and I just want to ask you. His words this morning were, we have a guy targeted that we will take at number four if he's there to me that statement says that that is not Johnny Manziel because I don't think there's a risk that he's not there at four. Who do you think he meant by that?
6: well, there's a certain
5: risk if Houston you know stays at number one, it's a possibility they could take him i, I to me i I was listening to him this morning too, and you know he seemed to talk off talk up clowning. Uh, which everybody does, and he's not—he's the one guy that's certainly not going to be there at number four. Uh, and he talked too. up Johnny Manziel, and he and he talked up Sammy Watkins. So, you know, if he's if he's telling any truth, those were the three guys he seemed to praise the most. And you know, Sammy Watkins has been the one guy that I think makes a lot of sense if you don't go quarterback. Uh, you know, that would be a, a, a terrific twosome on the outside. Very difficult to stop if you team him up with Josh Gordon. Uh, so that's one guy. You know, Khalil Mack. Uh, but, you you know, you go back to last year and you, you brought in Barkevius Mingo, so I don't think he makes a lot of sense. And I don't think Greg Robinson makes a lot of sense because obviously Joe Thomas is already there. So uh, I think if it's not quarterback, I, I think it would Almost have to be Sammy Watkins is the guy he's talking about.
3: And did you gleam anything out of anything else out? I know it was a lot of draft talk, a lot of the the stuff that you hear. Did you is did you gleam anything out of uh, Ray Farmer's discussion here this morning?
5: Well, that's the biggest—the fact that I think he he, you know, I think he would like Johnny Manziel, uh, but I, I think he's a, like a lot of us. You know, it's one thing to get Johnny Manziel at ten or twelve or fifteen. It's another thing to take, uh, to put yourself, especially in your first draft, to put your neck on the line at number four. So I think he's re- wrestling with that decision. You know, do I, do I, do I jump, you know, head first in the pool and take Manziel or do I take the the much safer pick and that would be Watkins?
3: And that's funny you said that because that was my thought. Honestly, I want that's why I, I didn't preface it before I asked you. I wanted to see what you thought because Watkins was my thought. As soon as I heard that, I said he's talking about Mac or Watkins, and I don't think he's talking about Mac. I think he's talking about Watkins. I truly believe that if everybody was there, if the Browns had their pick of whoever, I still think Sammy Watkins rises above the rest in the Browns' eyes. And he would in mine, too, just... I really think he's the safest, best bet of the guys you could take there.
5: Well, I would only uh, the only thing I would disagree with is I would say after Clowney.
3: Well, okay, there, <laughs> I you, think go. Clowney's there one you go. And, and I then
5: everybody you. else and then
3: And he mentioned. Yeah, that then I farmer- think
5: Watkins would be number two in their eyes. Uh,
3: And Farmer mentioned him today, too, said he had no worries about the the work ethic and all of that. I don't think he needs to, though, because I don't think that Clowney's going to be in the discussion at four anyway. And I think he knows that. The other thing, too, is he did address, not that he wouldn't any other time, but he did for the first time kind of broach the subject of knowing where he could go backwards as well. Because I still see a scenario if somebody's hot for a guy there at four and they can still get who they want. I still see a one or two step drop back if they can grab an additional second round pick out of it. I'm not talking about going past number 7 or 8, but I could see a couple of steps back if they grab another second round pick.
5: Well, it, the problem with that is there this draft is so deep. So many teams want to trade down, so many teams want to trade out, you know, Houston yeah. wants to trade out, St. Louis wants to trade out uh minnesota wants to trade down for me there's so many teams in that top 10 that want to trade out because uh if you don't want you know the quarterbacks seem to be falling uh certainly bridgewater you know you can argue if the browns or the oakland raiders don't like Derek carr he's going to probably be there in the 20s uh so you're you're basically down to two quarterbacks and, and manzel and bortles in the top 10 those four picks we always talk about. Uh, and then, you know, if you don't want one of those four guys, people are looking to trade out. Uh, so it's going to be a little more difficult, I think, to trade down at the top of the draft this year.
3: Yeah, I know. It's just something I wanted to put out there. Funny, man, I'm looking at the Cleveland trends on Twitter. Was it 2006 all over again? We got Vince Young, we got Mo Williams, and Jeremy Lin all trending on Twitter here in Cleveland uh at 1 uh, in 2014 so there we go john McMullen from the sports network my man always with us every monday hey next week we'll be in the fire we'll be uh down into it as the draft is upon us next week so i'm sure whatever last uh, minute silliness has popped up we'll talk about all of that and uh, whatever else comes up in the next week
5: all right thanks for having me jerry
3: thank you for being here as always john McMullen. it's a great conversation every monday exclusively right here on the Sports Fix. Thanks to John for being with us. We're going to take a break. When we come back, Dan Wismar joins us. He'll be here for his weekly Monday session. We'll talk about the Indians and the rough weekend that they went through out on the West Coast. Man, what is it about the West Coast this weekend? Man, it was not a not a good weekend to be out west, young fellow. We'll talk about the Indians, and I want to talk, you know, of course, Dan talks Buckeyes with us during the football season. I like what the SEC did. They put the mandate On the schedule to play some tougher teams, and I think that that's something that would interest the Big Ten and the Buckeyes for sure. We'll talk about all of that and so much more with Dan Wismar from the Cleveland Fan coming up next, live here on the Sports Fix.
1: here at The Sports Fix, are very in-depth when we interview the sports stars. Oh, I saw the whole thing, dude. First you were all like, whoa. And then we were all like, whoa. And then you were like, whoa. What are you talking about? You got serious thrill issues, dude. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. <laughs> Maybe
3: not, but you should still listen. As we head into this break, I just want to remind you the Sports Fix, proud to be partners with Quick Lane at Valley Ford Truck, 5715 Canal Road, just under the 480 Bridge in Valley View, Ohio. Bill Hershey and Bill Opelich, I tell you about them each and every day. They'll take care of you. Number one, huge Cleveland sports fans, but they're good people, hardworking people, trustworthy people. I don't just come on here. I tell you this all the time. I don't just come on here and talk about places and people that want to buy advertising on the show. I talk about people and products that I believe in and Quick Lane at Valley Ford truck is one of those places whether you've got a truck car van commercial vehicle big or small it doesn't matter they'll fix them all they're the home of the low price tire guarantee find a matching set of tires cheaper anywhere else and they'll match the price guaranteed no questions asked no matter what it is hey and they understand in 2013 that there's transportation issues people need to get to school to work to daycare all those things need to get done and the car needs to get fixed and they'll figure out a way to make that happen for you check them out quicklane.com valley truck and find out that life really is better in the quick lane.
8: Hey Cleveland, this is Ed Doherty, voice of San Ignatius Wildcat football, and you're listening to the Sports Fix.
5: At the corner of Carnegie
1: and Ontario, it's basketball time at the Q. Cleveland
2: Have you gotten your copy of Cleveland's Finest yet, highlighting the best moments, players, and media members in Cleveland sports history? He in-depth, personal interviews with some of the top names in Cleveland sports fill the pages of this incredible book. Joe Dane. Fred McLeod. Hector Marinaro. Discussing the most intimate and sometimes controversial details of the largest moments in our town's sports history. The
6: Indians have won the divisional title. A perfect game for Lynn Barker. What a win for the Cleveland.
2: It's the first book written from the players' point of view, with the media that covered it and the fans that watched. Finally, the true stories are told. From a miracle in Richfield to the NBA Finals. That's
1: right, Pistons have been boobies
2: trapped. From a perfect game to a World Series one pitch from victory. The, have won the World Series. From a Wildcat High School dynasty to the golden days of the Browns, Barons, and Crunch, this book will change the way the entire sports nation looks at Cleveland.
1: Cleveland, you will have an October.
2: Cleveland's Finest by Vince McKee is this year's must-have book for every Cleveland sports fan. Available now at Amazon.com. Copy today. The sports fix is now available every day on the world's largest internet radio service, iHeartRadio. Download the free iHeartRadio app, subscribe to the show, and get your fix.
0: In baseball, miracles can happen. When a team works together. Two out, bottom of the ninth. Down to their last strike. The same is true in the fight against cancer. That's why MLB has teamed up with Stand Up to Cancer. Because we believe that when we all stand up together. 41,000 on their feet. We can make cancer history. Now everybody's standing. What a buzz in this building. This is beyond a dream. Stand up with MLB at StandUpToCancer.org. Back in
1: 1990, when I joined Herb in the Booth, you could say that first game was when i became a lifelong tribe fan something about cleveland made us want to stay and call it our home raise our family here i can promise you one thing home or on the road i feel what you folks feel what you feel every game cleveland fans are passionate and pretty vocal i respect that this is our team this is our town this is a tribe town
2: Portions of the Sports Fix brought to you by GV Art and Design. It's not just a shirt, it's a statement. GVArtwork.com
3: Welcome back to the Sports Fix. We are down in the home stretch here. J-Rock Jerry Myers with you. The show rolls on. Thanks to John McMullen from the Sports Network for being with us last segment. Thanks to each and every one of you guys for being with us. Thanks to my man, Ron Graham, who's on the Twitter account. What happened? I just, you go to commercial break, you, you go and your social media changes. Thanks, Twitter. Whole new thing. I'm looking, I'm trying to figure out what... What y'all done did to the Twitter, man? Because it's now completely changed. I'm I'm just joking. They had told us that uh, there was a new format available, but I had not yet clicked. You know how they offer you the new one, whether you're talking about anything. It's not just Twitter, but they offer you like the new version, like our Mixler guys. How they offered us the the new version, and we didn't take it for a while. I've been avoiding clicking that button that says "Take a look at your new Twitter." But apparently, Ron Graham clicked the button. Hey, I'm digging it, man. You got to you gotta change with the times. You never want to be that guy who's still sitting back telling you that 8-track was the best. But uh, they done changed the Twitter on us. So you can help us use that new Twitter account. Tweet with us at thesportsfix, C-L-E. Email us, thesportsfix at AOL.com. Facebook at thesportsfix on Facebook or facebook.com slash thesportsfix. Be a part of the conversation. You can't get in on the phones, though. Because my man, Dan Wismar, is with us coming up next here on the Sports Mixes. we're getting ready to go to the phone lines now, guys. Dan Wismar from the Cleveland fan. How you doing, buddy? I'm doing great, K-Rock. Good afternoon to you. And good afternoon to you, too, my man. Welcome into the show as we roll on here. And, man, I, I am trying to think where to start because I've been putting it off. I talked about it a little bit at the beginning of the show. I've really been avoiding talking about San Francisco here, man. Just, what, San Francisco? What, they played games there? I don't know what you're talking about because, man, rough weekend for the uh, tribe heading out on the West Coast. I want to dive into it a little more with you here. The, you know, just when the, you know, I thought the pitch at Carlos Carrasco, I, I, I think that, I do think that he may have uh, may have pitched his last start in the rotation uh, Friday night. Salazar, on the other hand, I like obviously what's not to like about the bounce back that he had. Looked like he was gonna uh, really take that tough L until Gomi saved him there in the eighth, and then you know the walk off hurts. Just a kind of fitting way to leave though for the weekend. Four, five, and six, they go 0 and twenty six for the weekend. I mean, this was the first time I think. That the the offense really stood out as the culprit. There was some clean baseball, not a lot of errors. The offense really stood out as the culprit for what went wrong this weekend.
8: Yeah, no doubt. Uh, it uh, the the 0 for twenty six is a, is a figure that I had not heard, but it's easy to believe. Uh, you know, Salazar, yeah, had a real nice pitching performance, and uh, you know, let's face it, this team still isn't playing good baseball, and. and uh, we keep reminding ourselves that last year they were what eight and thirteen after a of similar course, yes. number of games, and this year what it's eleven and fourteen so eleven and 14. We're, were uh the, the division is still pretty bunched up as all of baseball still is, so you don't see uh any any train particularly leaving the station and leaving everyone else behind but uh you got to believe you got to right the ship now i if I'm not mistaken the angels took a little bit of a beating over the weekend too. I'm not sure if they lost two out of three or did they get swept or what, but they're a little bit down. Uh, after playing reasonably well the early part of the season they might be uh, you know just the wrong team to be facing now sort of uh, loaded for bear or uh, waiting for uh, well, what they might consider to be another team that's uh, down on their luck coming to town
3: and you know what, talking about that, too, we'll get to see, because we mentioned at the end of the homestand about the look like maybe they started to right themselves a bit against left-handed pitchers because they've got two of those coming up in the three-game series here with the Angels. We'll look We'll look ahead to the Angels. Masterson, he goes out there and starts things tonight. But uh, looking at the weekend overall for the Indians, I mean, just a tough start to things. You look back on Friday night, you know, you fall. Pretty much you fall down early, and that was it. I mean, they fell down 2 nothing early only score to run the rest of the way. Um, a tough game for Carrasco. I'm going to put you right on the spot, and I'll answer the question as well. I said it. I think that he's done. I think you have to uh, try somebody else there because I was. we talked about it, willing to wait, willing to get. I like Tito Given that time and letting guys know that he's going to trust in him, but you've now gotten four or five times through the rotation that you've not given yourself an opportunity to win a game. Now, that's cool. In the first fifteen or twenty games, but when you start getting a little more into the season, I think the time has come to uh, to cut bait on that. Not that I wanted Carrasco from the beginning; I really didn't want him coming out of camp. But I think we've gone as far as we can. What do you think?
8: Well, I think uh, we're at the point now, sure, like you say, where where uh, Francona's uh, uh, admirable patience comes up against some cold realities that he's just going to have to deal with, and as much as he might like to bring the kid along solely uh you know he, he's in charge of winning winning baseball games and so yeah i think you're right uh you know i don't have a problem with uh with cutting bait on Carrasco i the only problem with it is that uh, you've got to you know subject him to waivers if you if you send him down now and and uh, no you don't somebody send him make, down you know and and that's that's okay i guess. uh somebody might take a shot in if you lose him you lose him um but uh, you know i don't disagree that he's had enough opportunities uh, and that it, 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 looks like they were, you know, there may not be enough there to, uh, to worry about the potential of losing them on waivers. So, uh, I, I don't have a problem if they decide to send them down. It's, it's a shame. Uh, the kid's got good stuff uh, and who knows. But, you know, we're not also talking about a 22 year old anymore. I think he's what, 26, 27 years old. So he's had opportunities to mature and learn and, uh, become more consistent. Uh, we haven't seen, uh, evidence of that yet. So, um. Yeah, it's it's hard to argue with the idea that it's time to make a
3: change. Well, I don't think you got to put him on waivers, though. I mean, I I think the Indians wouldn't do that. I think they would put him in the pen, and I think he could be. I think he could be wickedly effective in the bullpen, depending on on what way you decide to use him, because he does have that stuff. But I mean, like you said, not just the age, not just okay, he's zero three to start this season. If it was just this season, then you would you would hold out a little longer, but we're talking about 17 straight starts back to 2011 back when Manny Acta was the manager of this team. The last time that the Indians right-hander has won a start.
8: I mean,
4: that's
3: a yeah, I heard time. that the
8: other day and uh, that really brings it home when you say, you know, Manny Acta was the manager when this guy last won a baseball game. Uh, so yeah, you're right. It's uh, it may be time to do that. I am maybe a little bit more skeptical than you that he is a preferable a bullpen, alternative to someone we currently have in our bullpen. Uh, I don't know about that. Maybe maybe he is. I'm not sure who who you would cut uh, kind of loose. Whether C.C. Lee goes or whether you know someone else. already sent Blake Wood down. Am I right?
3: Yeah, I, I agree with you because your your options get limited there with what you're gonna do as far as which pitcher you would send down. Especially because a lot of people were looking at it as a double move, perhaps with Salazar as well, and maybe he goes down that clears a spot, and then you you bring up both of the guys. I don't, but I think Salazar clearly has bought it, which he should with that start the, the, uh, yesterday. He bought himself some time there. He's he, that's different. If Carrasco had had an appearance like that on Friday, we wouldn't necessarily be talking about this today we'd go okay give him another start but Salazar did what you want to see he did bounce back and really tough luck that that the Indians didn't win that game but you liked what you saw out of Salazar yesterday
8: no doubt yeah it's tough to win any games when you go through a three-game series and you average less than two runs a game uh well what is it 1.7 or something in three games five runs in three games uh not gonna not gonna win you any series and certainly uh you know, going to get you swept in in most series, so you got to hang this one on the offense and, uh, and tip your hat somewhat to, to some San Francisco pitching. But uh, let's face it, I, I saw some some tweets yesterday about the number of times, uh, something like seventeen at bats uh, in the series where the uh, we were hitting ahead in the count. The Indians had uh, two O counts, three one counts, and Franco said after the game, you know, that he noticed an awful lot of pitches out there that we should have hit that we didn't. Uh, in other words, it's not like we weren't seeing pitches to hit. It's not like we weren't in uh, good counts and good hitting situations. Just weren't getting the job done. So that didn't escape notice of, of the, uh, the the Twitterverse, nor did it escape the notice of uh, of uh, Francona.
3: I mean, Friday night. Okay, we're talking about Carrasco there. That game is what it is. I mean, pretty much the Giants won that game in the first inning with our inability to score. The only place that you know the Indians could have easily taken two out of three in this series i mean look at saturday's game i mean really saturday's game set up exactly the way you would want if you're the indians up until the bottom of the fifth inning i mean they get up early they add a run they add another run you're looking good you're up three nothing McAllister is breezing through things he what is it what did he have Uh, 12 in a row up until he got to the fifth inning and then boom all of a sudden you give up one, you give up two, you give up four, and all of a sudden, a 3 nothing lead has been flipped upside down. You're down 4-3 to three in one inning. Posey added the additional insurance home run an inning later, but just like that, such a great start. A good first half of the game gets turned around just like that.
8: Yeah, and I—I uh, I don't know. Call it sour grapes, call it you know, Homerism, or whatever. But I thought McAllister got really badly squeezed by the home plate umpire in that fifth inning. In the uh, fifth, He had yeah. a couple of—he had a couple of situations where he was out of it. He had—he had guys struck out, and he just was not getting a call uh, on the balls and strikes that inning. And and they out-squeezed him. He had to come in a couple of times uh, after getting behind the count and gave up some bases. And and if you remember, no one really hit him even hard that inning. He was giving up, you know, ground balls through the infield that were hitting holes, and so it was uh, obviously tremendously frustrating to watch, and also frustrating that the five, the three to nothing lead should have been at least five to nothing based on the, the hitting situations that we had, and men are, men on third with one out that we couldn't get home, and and that kind of thing where our situational uh, uh, hitting wasn't all that good in the in the innings leading up to the fifth. So we built a three nothing lead, but it could very easily have been more.
3: I was just about to follow up what you said and say, really, I think if you go back and regret anything, if you're looking back at that game Saturday, it's right before San Francisco did their damage because Gomes is up with the bases loaded and an opportunity to to really bust that thing open and and get yourself some real good momentum, and then you crack into the the second half of the game. But Gomey strikes out, and that was huge. I mean, hats off to Juan Gutierrez for getting out of that because he got the strikeout with the bases loaded. And then that that seemed to boy San Francisco offensively because they literally bounced right back from that just when it seemed like, man, all was lost. They get the K, they get their energy, they come out and have that fifth inning, and there you go.
8: Yeah, too, and, and McAllister, I think, made uh, a couple of pitches a little bit too good when he was ahead in the count. I think the leadoff hitter got the, the leadoff base hit back up the middle, uh, singled on an 0-2 count on, on a fat fastball that probably shouldn't have been that fat, and, you know, Easy for us to sit in our living rooms and, and make those kinds of uh you know observations, but uh you know, it just you, you gotta make it a little bit tougher to to you know get a pitch to hit on Owen too.
3: I agree with you, man. And then you get to which we talked about, you get to Sunday's game there. Really great pitching matchup, Vogelsong and Salazar both went out there. I mean, uh uh if you're if you're that guy you know i know at the beginning <laughs> my man vic was like hey man i i don't like one two three run games i do i i like that that type of game and and really you saw a good one there i mean one run put on the board through the first seven uh the the tough luck looked like it was going salazar's way then gomes gets you out of it and you're thinking okay at least we salvage this one here and then you know, obviously we know what happens in the ninth inning. You get a guy on board, you sacrifice him over, you know, intentionally walk a guy, boom, three run, home run. And it, it, it looks worse than it was. All they needed was one regardless. But... uh It is what it is, and you walk off now shaking your head and going 0 for 3 and now having to head right to the Angels, and and you have to pick yourself back up. I mean, that's the thing is, like we say there's another game, there's another game every day, so the Indians just have to try, easy for us to say, but they have to try and shake this off and take care of the Angels. And like you said, starting things off, hopefully the Angels are scuffling a bit here too, and and the Tribe gets a chance to, to right themselves there, however... They got a couple of lefties going against us, which is always going to be a little tricky for the tribe as well.
8: Yeah, that's true. Uh, they're they're down. They've got Hamilton out, and, and uh, they've been struggling a little bit lately. But uh, you know, they're looking at their schedule and thinking, okay, we get a little bit of a break because uh, we got the last place even Indians coming to town. So, um, you know, it, like you say, it's a it's a marathon, not a sprint, and and uh, we'll uh, we'll keep the faith, and uh, you know, we're not going to have uh, the middle of that order, uh, you know. Below the Mendoza line for the whole season, uh, at least if uh, if we have any hope of doing anything. So those, those guys actually, will step out of it, and uh, you know, I I didn't remember this. I just remembered that last year what a what a big first half Kipnis had, um, and, and how he literally first... carried the team for a while uh, going into the All Star break. Uh, that wasn't what until I didn't June. Really, what, I, what I didn't really remember was that he, he was hitting two hundred three in April, and his his surge didn't really start till the first of May, and it and it was May and June where he. Where he, uh, really came on. So, you know, maybe he can, uh, mirror that a little bit this season and, uh, bounce back from a, from a slow start and, and, uh, who knows what the heck they're going to do with Carlos Santana because he just is pressing so hard now that, uh, uh he, he looks, uh, discouraged out
3: there. And you know what? I heard I heard Kipnis talk about that over the weekend. He said compared to last year, hitting two forty-three here to start is nothing. He's this is a this is a good start compared to what we did last year. I, I I do remember last year only because having to do this, I mean, you get a more of a daily remembrance of those things. And I remember getting them calls. Literally midway through May, where people are like, Oh, Kipnis, you know, when are you gonna just like we hear now? When are you gonna bring up the guy from down below? When are you gonna make a change? When are you gonna move this guy out? And then you hit the month of June and he hits almost 500 (laughs) in the month of June and just goes to town and there's no looking back there, you know, too. A little bit of the Indians just not being able to get everybody uh hitting at the same time, you know, we talked about. You know, born. It took him a couple of games to get going. Talk about Swisher. You know, over the weekend, Born and Swisher had a couple of decent games. But like I said, it was the 4, 5, and 6. Actually, that stat came right from the Indians. The Indians said their 4, 5, and 6 hitters were 0 for 29. I was even off. I said 0 for 26. They were 0 for 29 in the series. Those That's your heart of your lineup. That is your that is your guys right there, you know. And, uh, so yeah, just and
8: when, it just goes to show you, too, how this time of year – us uh, help to that kind of short-sightedness you know a week ago you and i were on the phone on monday we were both bashing michael Bourne, you know we were right. both talking about a he look he can't get a punt down he can't he was in his first couple games back you know and then michael Bourne, just over the past week is just you know shut me right up because uh I gotta stop you know, me, he's man. been he's been pounding the ball with some authority he got three hits one game he had a couple of hits yesterday and you know, I had a good weekend overall and, uh, making some nice plays in the outfield. So I gotta, I gotta back off my Bourne bashing a little bit here. I'm not saying you were doing it. I was doing it, uh, last Monday. I'm, I'm down on Michael Bourne and obviously it's just an indication how fast things can turn around and all of a sudden he's my guy, you know.
3: Do you hear him? Do you hear? Him? He knew where I was getting ready to go. He knew I was getting ready to That's jump right. in. No, I, I was just going to say, I don't think. I think you and I have a different definition of bashing a guy because I don't think you were either.
8: I don't. Think no, we were bashing. We were talking about you know, how failing to get a bunt done yeah, by a leadoff hitter yeah. is not what you need your leadoff hitter to do. And, and bashing uh, a you know, guy. he came back and he was <laughs> he was swinging like a rusty gate for the first couple games. <laughs> we were speculating that he might have been brought back up a little too soon. Maybe he wasn't ready. Those kinds of things. Yeah, we weren't bashing him, but. Uh, but uh, you know our whole attitude about Michael Bourne, mine at right, least, was uh, boy, I don't know about this guy. And then you know, a week later, he's uh, you know he, he's okay. And, and who's who's uh, who's Niger Morgan anyway? Well,
3: you yeah. know what? On the flip side of that, you just said Niger Morgan. He's hitting like two seventeen right now down at uh, <laughs> down at Triple A. So instantly, there nobody is making that hey my Niger Morgan argument right now because he's hitting the Mendoza line right now down in Triple A.
8: That's right. Stuff stuff turns in a hurry, and uh, who remembers what you and I said a week ago Monday? Anyway, right?
3: Exactly. You know, I mean, it's it's <laughs> it's, it's always in flux. You know what I mean? So that's but, it. Uh, you know what? Now you've got you just have to keep pressing forward. And uh, the Indians have three here with the Angels before they come back home. You've got Masterson takes on Tyler Skaggs. There's another lefty there, uh, and Skaggs interesting because that's a guy. Over the last two offseasons, I think we've heard occasionally tied to some trade rumors with the Indians. So I know a little bit about him. Then you've got what I think is going to be a really, really good one here tomorrow. Kluber and Jared Weaver. I'm looking forward to seeing that matchup. And then they wrap things up with the aforementioned Mr. Carrasco and C.J. Wilson. Although I'm a bit confused. And tell me if you are, too, because coming out of Friday's game, Terry Francona, and I had seen this multiple places. Uh, Nick Camino had it out there, several other people, that Carlos Carrasco, that Terry Francona had said after the game that he was going to be removed from the rotation and sent to the bullpen. Um, But then it seems the Indians backed off of that because I didn't hear that again uh, Saturday and Sunday, so are you with me? Did you get that on Friday, and then it seems that they've backed away from that, or is his next spot going to be skipped, and they just haven't corrected it in the lineups yet?
6: Well,
8: I think the the front office doesn't have a lot to do with the the, the pitching projections, the matchups that the, the, the schedule people, you know, they just follow, you know, the rotation as, as it's been, so I, I think if you see on a on the schedule that so-and-so is scheduled to start. That's just his normally scheduled start. I don't think that that's uh, updated every day by the Cleveland Indians front office. No, by this one's means. from so the Indians. It, this is from Frank If Frank, if Frank said that after Friday, I guess you got to uh, take that as the uh, the authority that you're going to put some stock in.
3: I mean, this is from the Indians. This is their release that they send me every day with all of my information for those of us that have, you know, shows. It gives us all of our uh, talking points and all of that stuff. Sure. So this is directly from the Indians. But I just, again, I didn't, I wasn't there, obviously. I wasn't in San Francisco. But, I mean, Camino, immediately after the game, and that's a that's a TAM guy that's got direct access. Right, right. he, he tweeted moments after the game. Terry Francona confirmed Carrasco removed from the rotation so but again I hadn't heard it followed up on so I'm a bit curious that'll be something to keep an eye on uh over the next couple of days hey something else about the Indians that I wanted to bring up I just didn't know if you even knew about this I just learned about it this morning uh so maybe bad on my part but when they come home this weekend you've got the White Sox and I noticed uh, you've got the the bobblehead night. You got Oral Hershizer bobblehead coming up this Saturday, which is awesome as it is. But I noticed uh, they started plugging this promo pass, and I don't know if you know about this or if you've uh, seen what they're doing here this year. But this uh, promo pass, I clicked on it and I said, "Hey, I want to know a little bit more about uh, what this is." But the opportunity to make sure that you're you when you buy tickets to a game that you don't get left out. Some you know how it's the first X amount of people that uh right. that get the uh get the thing or whatever, uh to where you can have it where it's there for you. They had multiple uh different ones. They have one for the season ticket holders as well. Oh, actually the season ticket holders can get all of their promotional items at one time if they wanted to they can actually set it up to get them all at once from the team but uh, they've got this promo pass that they've they've made available and I'm trying to pull it up so I can specifically uh, name it but I thought this was pretty cool and they're gonna do it for a half a dozen of the more uh, popular promotions that they've got this year. Um, and basically what it is is you pay a small fee and you don't have to come early anymore. You can get there any before the fourth inning. You can get there any in the first three innings and they will have set aside your promotional item. Uh, and you can pick it up when you come in. And it's separate from the number at the gate. So if it's a 12,000 at the gate that they've given away, these additional 2,000 are separate. So they don't take away from the people that are arriving. And it's for the Oral Hershiser bobblehead, the Omar Jersey, the Brohio bobblehead, the Kipnis bobblehead, and the replica Jim Tomy statue uh, that they're doing later in the season. Those are the ones you can do this for. But I thought that was kind of cool because there's a lot of times that uh, – over the years, you you know, obviously everybody goes there on promotional days and you miss out. And this is a cool way to guarantee that you don't uh, miss out on those, you know, and as well, it doesn't cut into the normal number that they're giving out.
8: Well, I, I suppose that's a good idea, Jerry. I, uh, you know, I'm sure it's in response to some some whiny letters I got from people that got left out in the cold in, in years past. And that's great. As for me, I, I don't know, I'm not much of a bobblehead guy. I, I've got Bobbleheads, uh, in their original packaging lining the top shelf of my bedroom closet with nowhere else to, to put them and nothing else <laughs> to do with them. So, I, uh, you know, I guess they don't hold quite the appeal for me they might for some people, but, um, yeah, I guess it's a good thing. And, and, I'm sure like management is responding to, to, uh, complaints that they've gotten, uh, from people in the past. And, and now, uh, like you say, you can get your free gift for a small fee.
3: Yeah, you know, I mean, it's just – like, I don't think it's that. No, no, you're right. Good good tongue-in-cheek there. I like that. But uh, you know, I like the fact that you can get there without getting, trying to get there an hour before the game because a lot of times that was one thing that I noticed is is people would come early. So if you weren't willing to come an hour or 90 minutes before the game to be that first wave of people coming through, uh, then you were probably going to miss out. And, you know, I, by reading this, I did not know – it's silly me for not knowing this, but about the season ticket holder side of it, not only can you use the promo pass for your season ticket, but um, it includes a much wider variety of things you can do. But I, I like that. Uh, I think that they need to do more as far as the season ticket holders, and it's easy to say they should, and not as easy to do. But uh, yeah, that's true.
8: Need- we, we like to we like to show up for our games. You know. Uh, 10 minutes before the first pitch. And so if they're going to take some steps to make sure they take care of their most loyal fans, which I guess you have to consider the season ticket holder to be um, more power to them. I will say one other thing about the degree to which the people, they love them some free stuff. I mean, (laughs) it's always been a little bit irritating to me when I'm sitting at the game that a, you have to put a sign on your banner, uh your 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 digital banner uh strips of on the upper deck to to get people to make some noise make some noise they say and then the people yes. start to yell uh you cannot get the, the baseball fans in the stadium to stand up and yell when you know the opponent has runners on second and third and two outs and two strikes on the hitter but let those girls come out on the dugout roof and start to you know throw some <laughs> 75 cent t-shirts into the stands and you get people up on their feet going crazy so it just it just makes me a little bit nuts uh that that, that, you know if you're giving away some cheap trinket and throwing some t-shirts into the stands you got all the enthusiasm in the world from the crowd but you know when there's actually a situation in the baseball game that might call for some uh fan support and some some noise uh you've got to put a sign up on your scoreboard in order to get it uh just a little pet peeve of mine
3: Funny you mentioned that me, me and Jerry were watching a basketball game over the weekend, and we heard that. I know everybody hears it at every sporting event you go to. Everybody, clap your hands. I looked at my son and I go, nobody has ever clapped their hands when they heard that. Nobody ever. If you watch any game, you never see people get up and start clapping when that specific one goes. I'm like, you think you would take that out of the jock jam list by now? Because that one just doesn't work. Nobody gets up and claps their hands. But I wanted to follow up on something you just said. Talking about, and I'm not trying to jump on attendance right now, but I got irked this weekend, that on the same week that the Cleveland Indians had three sub-10,000 crowds at home this week, the Cleveland Gladiators, no offense to the arena football Cleveland Gladiators, they put nearly 12,000 people at Quicken Loans Arena to watch an arena football game. And I'm like, are you serious? I know one's indoors and one's outdoors. I get that. And I know that it was the Kansas City Royals. I get that too. But seriously, like... Wow, I'm sorry. I mean, yeah, there's, least... there's
8: there's something wrong there, no doubt. No doubt. I mean, we're not talking and, about and the it's Monsters. To, it's, to, uh, it's, it's to Dan Gilbert's credit, because he does the same kind of thing uh, there for those games and the same with the hockey team. Uh, he puts on a great show for the fans. He knows how to put people yes. in the chairs. People around the country were flabbergasted uh, during the last couple weeks of the cab season. When this team that was clearly going nowhere and eliminated from playoff contention was putting seventeen and eighteen thousand people in the seats for a game, um, and, and it's because Gilbert, if nothing else, has been successful at, at staging uh, an entertainment uh, uh, experience at the game that people like to go and, and see. Uh, yeah, and so and I'm uh, with you. At the same time, you, you know you, you you're maybe discouraged about the state of the team. You're uh, you got to hand it to Gilbert because. Uh, it's like night and day from uh, the kind of experience that was there when the guns on the team.
3: And I'm one of those guys that gives a lot of credence to the fact that baseball is just not as popular as it used to be. I do believe that there is a lot of truth to that with the younger fans. However, when you look at this weekend, and this is all I'm going to say about attendances, I I I got a little bit disappointed listening to the Indians talk about their trip to San Francisco. I know you probably heard some of it, uh, listening to Michael Bourne and those guys talk about, you know, hey – the the big forty plus thousand crowds in these places, you know, for a a weekend series, they're like, man, we don't see that, and that was a sad quote. Michael Bourne straight up said, "Hey, we don't see that a lot back at home." So it was good for us to to be in that atmosphere with the fans packing the building and going crazy. And I'm it it was even though it was true, it was just a sad sentiment to hear one of your players say that. But he was right. So even if baseball is absolutely right. Uh, I feel bad down. for the it's players
8: on the Indians
3: yeah. when they
8: have to play in front of a uh, a crowd of nine thousand people that not only is small but dead quiet uh, and and uh, seemingly unenthused about being there. So yeah, I uh, I, I think the attendance you know complaints uh, get old. Everybody's tired of talking about it. Doesn't make it any less real, any less a problem. And, and my sentiments are with the baseball players who who obviously feed off of crowd enthusiasm, and we haven't had very much to show them lately.
3: And you're right. And that I think what you just said, to end that part, is almost the biggest thing that bothers me. It's not the number. It's the energy of the number that's there. That bugs me. Is Okay, if there's only going to be 10,000 there, 10,000 people can make a lot of noise. I've been there plenty of times and seen it. And sometimes it's like, even then, They're not all that jacked up to be there. And I'm like, man, and sometimes I wonder if it's baseball and I give it, okay, it's baseball, but then you see other places and I know San Francisco a little different. They've had more success recently, but it's not just that it's something about baseball and Cleveland specifically that, you know, hurts a little more here, but I do think a lot of it is baseball in general. I do believe it's down for the most part, everywhere, you know. But games like this weekend, games like Easter Sunday, when the Indians draw terribly on Easter Sunday and around the country, you've got full houses for a pretty nice weather day. Those are the ones that make me go, man, what's going on here in Cleveland? Outside of the Wednesday night, Kansas City in April. I get that. I understand why nobody's going to that because I wouldn't go to that. I would say, you know what? I'll wait till Saturday and I'll go when it's a little bit nicer. There's a, a hundred more of these to go, you know what I mean? But but it's those ones that should draw that don't that make me go, What what is going on?
8: Yeah, and it's sad that then I heard Shapiro talk about it. He talked about it in the in the interview with Al uh that, you know, they've got promotions going on for virtually every game because why because they have to uh because if they're going to draw 20,000 even in other words if they're going to fill the place to not quite half full uh they'd be happy to average that but in order to do that they've got to have a promotion going on all the time whether it be a bobblehead or whether it be uh you know dollar dogs uh and then they they you know, doubled and tripled the number of promotions that they've had in recent years because they realize, frankly, that's what gets people to come out when you give them some free stuff or some cheap stuff. And and the the attraction of there simply being a baseball game just isn't enough anymore, at least not in Cleveland. The, the, the fans' cry is, oh, well, give us a winner and we'll come out. Well, 92 games, folks. That's how many on they won last year. And they made the playoffs and and uh and where are you? So anyway, well, that's damn.
3: the last thing I'll say about that. Well, Dan, that's one of the things is I'm sitting here trying not to do this. Like I was thinking, okay, when Dan finishes, man, I I don't even know where to go because I hate I hate talking about the attendance, not because it's not true, because I don't have a fix. Like I'm a big hey, instead of just complaining, here's a solution, I like to try to come up with an idea instead of just saying, Well, this this is wrong. But man I don't have one. And I know the people that get paid to don't either. Like, I just don't know what you do, because like you said, even after you win, you know, although in fairness, in the first part of the season, I have said attendance is up 2000 a game in the early part of this season from the same day last year through 10 home games. But that's only 2000 and that's a pretty small increase over a 92 win season last year so winning is not just it there has to be more to it than just that i mean is it the baseball thing what is it i don't know but i don't have a way to fix it so i hate to just complain about it
8: well and one thing that sapire also said in that interview is that they're they're very much aware that your increase in attendance doesn't happen starting in April. It happens during the off season when you're selling season tickets. They yeah. have to sell more of them. If you've got a 12,000 season ticket base, the most walk-up you've ever had in the history of the stadium is about 6,000 people. So even if you're in the top 10 walk-up crowds of all time in 21 years at Jacobs Field, you're going to add 5,000 people maybe to your, to your, uh, you know, existing season ticket base of, of 10, 11, 12,000. Uh, that still doesn't get the place half full if you have the best walk-up ever. Your increase has to come from selling more season tickets during your off season. and I don't see the Indians organization making a great attempt to do that. I don't see them banging on doors, you know, hitting up companies, trying to move season ticket packages in the off offseason, uh, at least to the extent that they used to. So that's where it has to come from if you're going to make a dent in, uh, and try to move up the ranks of the average attendance in, uh, in Major League Baseball.
3: I will say, this is foolish me, giving credit to the people of Cleveland, but I do believe that this summer the Indians are, are competitive. I mean, assuming that everything goes the way we think it's going to go and, and the weather's nice, I do think you're going to at least have a better... I don't think we're going to be sitting in midsummer talking about sub- 10,000 crowds like we were last year Year before at some different times So I, I'm i giving Cleveland credit, but I still It's not going to be huge, like you said It's not going to be this huge increase Hey, I want to switch away from the Indians For a minute, just because this was something When I saw it, I said I got to talk with Dan about this Because we talked Buckeyes during football season And one of the things we talked about Was that soft schedule and everybody's Complaint about the Buckeyes I noticed the story going around Today about the SEC and uh, they made some tweaks to their schedules here over the weekend. And the one thing that I liked, and I said, I got to uh, mention this to Dan, is improving the strength of the schedule. With that in mind, they have started a mandate beginning in 2016 that every program has to have one, at least one, non conference game against a power conference school. Uh, beginning in 2016, which I thought, man, that, that's part of how you keep your schedule strong. That's how you keep your, your league strong. And uh, I said, man, the Big Ten needs to learn from that because uh, that would be an interesting scheduling tool to add to the Big Ten.
8: Well, yeah, uh, a couple things about that. And I guess what, we, what we're going to look at then is a whole bunch of SEC teams playing Washington State, Indiana, True. and Kansas. <laughs> uh, you know, that's, that's really what the upshot of this is going to be. Uh, if they were serious about the strength of schedule, they should play more games against the strongest conference in the country, which is themselves. What they haven't done is, is mandate a nine-game conference schedule like the Big Ten has. And uh because right now uh, they are going on the if it ain't broke, don't fix it theory We've won, you know, X number of uh, you know national championships in a row until this last season. Why mess with a winning formula? Uh, yes, they do need to increase the strength of schedule, and and nobody plays, you know, more pansy uh, non-conference schedules than the SEC does. Uh, you know, Alabama this past year played two, not one, but two, uh, you know, FCS teams. Uh, and uh you know, gee, not even D1 teams on their on out of their four non conference games. Uh, so, I don't know. I, I think yes, they do need to do this because now strength of schedule is going to be an even bigger thing to see who gets into the the final four playoff uh, formula. But I also think if you look around, and I did this with Alabama's schedule, I went back ten years to find out how many times Alabama left the South. To play a non-conference true road game and playing Michigan over at Jerry Jones's palace in Arlington does not count last year. <laughs> um, SEC teams, as a rule, do not leave the South. They'll play Georgia Southern. You know, they won't go to Georgia Southern, but they'll bring them in, but they do not play that many, uh, out of conference road games, true road games at the other team's home venue, uh, outside the South. They just don't do it. Uh, Alabama, one time in 12 years, played an out-of-conference road game. They went to Penn State back in the middle of the last decade and had a home-and-home with Penn State. But as a rule, they don't do that. One of the reasons they don't do that is because they don't want to. They They want a home game only. They don't want to do a home-and-home series where they would have to play a road game against, say, Ohio State or, you know, whoever is out of conference, Nebraska, anybody, because they just don't simply like to leave the South End before the month of October. And when they do, uh, you know, it's rare or it's in a neutral site. So I I guess I'm a little skeptical of, you know, yes, everybody needs to work on upgrading their schedules. Big Ten did it by, uh, you know, mandating a, a ninth conference game starting in 2016 or 17, I'm not sure. Uh, that they moved to the nine-game conference schedule. But, uh, yeah, I suppose it's a, it's an ingenious move by the by the uh, SEC, and, and as some guys were saying over the weekend, uh, skeptical like me, now if you're Kansas, your, your dance card is now full. You'll be able to schedule as many SEC games as you want. If you're Indiana, <laughs> if you're Washington State, if you're one of the weak teams in the power conferences, you're going to have SEC suitors banging down your door.
3: That's so funny that you say that because I was going to end it with this, a comment here on that from, and this is the name of the guy, Oscar Gambles Fro. so you can appreciate that. Alabama, Indiana, get your popcorn ready. There you go, right there. (laughs)
4: That's right. That's what you're
8: going to see. If you're the Kansas Jayhawks, you're going to have no trouble getting some nice September paydays by going down to Gainesville or Athens or uh, Tuscaloosa because uh, they're going to be looking for you and, uh, and uh, who knows, Indiana, Purdue, Purdue—they're going to—they're going to make a lot of money uh, playing SEC teams on the road over the next few
4: years.
3: Now, even with that being the loophole there, though, do you see oh, uh, not Ohio State, but the Big Ten as the as the governing body following suit at least from a from a public's posturing standpoint of of making something similar like that?
8: I don't, because they feel they've already uh, addressed that by. Uh, uh, you know, making mandating a nine-game conference schedule. Nine family, I also yeah. think that the, the teams in the Big Ten, Purdue, uh, Indiana, you know, whoever, some of the weaker teams, these are not teams that have their eye on making the final four, you know, championship playoff. They don't care. They're going to play Northern Iowa. They're going to play the MAC schools. They're going to play the schools that don't require them to travel, you know, a thousand miles. Like they always have, because frankly, making the, you know, impressing the the committee that chooses the four teams for the national title isn't exactly on their radar.
3: Well, nice to see, real quick, not trying to change the subject, but as I'm talking to you, the Cleveland Gladiators, the the actual team's Twitter account, just favorited the tweet that Ron put out there that talked about the tribe. And the gladiators outdrawn. Glad to know that we entertained the Cleveland Gladiators with our discussion <laughs> here this morning. I'm serious, I'm serious, man. So glad to know that we entertained the gladiators. I'm sure they'll uh, use that information in their next press release. There, but Dan, right. always had a good time talking to you tonight. The Indians, I love late night. I say it all the time. Love the West Coast trips because I like to stay up till one o'clock in the morning watching some West Coast baseball, man. So oh, I, Indians, I always
8: stay up too. I don't, I don't miss
3: those games. I mean, I almost like it more because you get to do everything else in your day. You get nothing. The Indians game falls in the, the, the part of your day where you're just finishing everything up. And you're, you're, you're able to relax. So I like that a little better than the traditional 7 o'clock. I've always been a sucker for that 10 o'clock game because I don't mind. I'm a late-night guy anyway. I stay up till you know, the crack of dawn anyway doing stuff anyway. So to me, that's like hey, 10 o'clock, game time. All right. Everybody's asleep. Everybody's quiet. We can kick back and watch a little baseball, you know. So I'm with you. Exactly it. right. Yeah, at, at
8: my house, it means I don't have to fight with my wife over what we got there on you TV. There and uh you know she she's asleep
3: and uh i've I've got the remote all to myself that's it the the remote is owned by the man of the house and we're watching some late night tribe live that's all there is to it man so that's it justin masterson takes the mound for the indians here tonight as they start that series sure would be nice to see them bounce back take a couple of these here before they head home for the white Sox, and then boom we jump right back into the division with chicago this weekend and it should be talking about that attendance this weekend should be good you got dollar dog night on friday which always draws pretty well you got oral hersheiser bobblehead on saturday which should be good assuming that the rain has gotten through for the week and then i believe sunday is just a traditional sunday game but it's going to be a an opportunity for some good crowds down there at the uh, progressive field here this weekend for the indians and the white Sox.
8: yeah it sounds good it sure would be good for uh for masterson to uh, to get win number one uh... Before he oh, yeah. starts, uh, you know, regretting not signing that long-term contract.
3: So I'd love to see that for sure. You and me from our lips. You know what I mean? We'll see it. It, it starts tonight. Justin Masterson takes on Tyler Skaggs tonight, 10 1st pitch. Dan Wismar will be with us on Wednesday. We'll talk about the first few games of this and anything else that may come up between now and then. Dan, you enjoy your week. Enjoy some more West Coast baseball, and we'll talk on Wednesday. Thanks,
8: J-Rock. We'll see you then.
3: All right, that's my man Dan Wismar from the Cleveland Fannies with us every Monday and Wednesday. Looking forward to having him back on in a couple of days. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we'll get you ready for tonight. The Jackets getting ready. Win or go home, baby. Game six tonight at Nationwide Arena. Indians going at it. NBA playoffs continue so much more. We wrap things up next here on the Sports Fix. to the Sports Fix.
0: If you want to be my lover.
3: Hey guys, before we go to the break, I want to talk to you a little bit again about our good friends at Harry Buffalo North Olmsted. Of course, you know during Brown season, we're there each and every week. What a fun time it was last year, but not just that. So many more reasons for you to check out the Harry Buffalo today. The UFC, the ultimate fighting championships, some of the hottest fights in the world today. Each and every one of their huge events, Harry Buffalo is one of the few places in Northeast Ohio you can go there and watch each and every UFC fight at the Harry buffalo and let me tell you i've been there the people are out the door they are to the rafters it is one of the craziest environments for some ufc fights wing mondays they've got great deals on wings and drinks and every day of the week there's a different special a different deal and don't forget the bison burger the unbelievable it is the combination of a fantastic burger and eating healthy combined into one unbelievable sandwich you have got to get a bison burger while you're there so whatever you're looking for whatever day of the week monday through friday saturday sundays there's something for you at the harry buffalo north olmstead just outside great northern mall check them out today harry buffalo join the herd
1: it's an addiction the sports fix will be right back
3: Indians fans, GV Art and Design has unleashed their new baseball collection. This summer, you've got to have one of the hottest baseball shirts available. Indians themes, GV Art has them covered from top to bottom. Chief Wahoo, keep the chief, one of the hottest sellers going today. GV Artwork, knocking it out of the park, teaming up with Michael Brantley to create a custom Dr. Smooth t-shirt, bringing back an old classic GV Artwork, bringing out the wild thing. Give them the heater design. The Cleveland That I Glove collection continues to grow. New designs for women and so much more. GVartwork.com bringing it full force to the plate for baseball season this year. Whether you check them out online, GVartwork.com use the sales code FIX10 FIX10 to save 10% on your total purchase. Whether you go to their store in Lakewood, check them out at the Cleveland Indians team shops around Progressive Field and so much more. GV Art and Design. It's It's not not just just a shirt. shirt. It's a Whether it's an oil change or a new set of tires, Quick Lane at Valley Ford Truck has you covered for your car care needs. They're your neighborhood quick service experts. They also offer a low price tire guarantee. Choose from 13 brands, and if you find the same tires at a lower price within 30 days, Quick Lane at Valley Ford will refund the difference. 5715 Canal Road, right under the 480 Bridge in Valley View. Come see why life is better in the Quick Lane. Quicklane.com slash Valley Ford Truck. This is the Sports Fix. What
1: is your name? I'm the Dude. So that's what you call me, you know? Uh,
6: That or uh, his Dudeness or uh, Duder or, uh, you know, El
1: Duderino, if you're not into the whole brevity thing. Dude, what do you want? Uh, Well, it's uh, this rug I have. It really tied the room together. Uh, We are not a show to be swept under the rug. We are a show to be heard.
4: He's the the Sports fix. Fix.
3: Welcome back to the Sports Fix. Wrapping things up here on the SportsFix.net, and all of you listening, welcome in back in. Thanks for being with us on TuneIn, the TuneIn Radio app, and Spreaker and Mixler Live, as well as the SportsFix.net, and all of you listening on Digital Delay, twenty-four-seven on iHeartRadio, iTunes. Stitcher Radio and SoundCloud and all the other platforms as well thank you guys thanks to Dan Wismar and John McMullen for being with us thanks for the mayor for calling in earlier all of you guys who have kept your comments the chat room they've been going to town they've been hitting us up on Twitter and Facebook throughout the show thanks to each and every one of you guys speaking of by the way as you hear the old beastie boys there in the background speaking of the fighting for your rights I don't know I'm not gonna I won't go too much I don't know how many of you guys are into the the UFC we talk about it all the time hopefully you went out and checked out Harry Buffalo and North Olmstead they are literally packed from door to door during the UFC fights how about though those of you that are just going to say John Bones Jones let me tell you guys he just ma- a lot of people uh, thought maybe you know this is a guy that uh, is unbeatable at what he does the light heavyweight champion of the world there at UFC and a lot of people thought maybe Glover Teixeira was going to be the guy to do it uh uh-uh. uh no, no, not even close, not even competitive. Let me tell you, if you watched the fight the other night, uh John Jones is a beast. He just he just beats you up. He just he doesn't do anything fancy, man. He's just a he's an, an incredible uh athlete, incredible fighter. He just he stood in his face. It's the old equivalent of inboxing for those of you that might not be into mixed martial arts, standing in a guy's face, beating him up and telling him about it the whole time that you're doing it. Um, I gotta tell you, for you UFC fans out there, um, and I'm not saying this to brag. Just I'm what i I was I knew about John Bones Jones before majority of people uh knew about him because when he was just coming up, uh, I'm friends with a Wrestler, you guys uh, from Total Nonstop Action, Impact Wrestling, Samoa Joe's his name. Uh, Samoa Joe and I, are good buddies, uh, we used to hang out a lot when he would do shows up in this area. We would be on the same show. And I remember, and I'm talking about back in the day, we're talking years ago, uh, hanging out with Joe, you know, before shows, and we'd be talking about UFC and different things. And I'll never forget when he told me, he said, Man, I got this guy, I trained with him at the gym. I uh I do some some training with him, man, some rolling around and some sparring to stay in shape uh during the week, but between my matches, his name is John Jones. He's the next thing. He is the next big deal. This guy is legit and blah, blah, blah. He went on and told me all about this guy uh at a time when nobody knew who he was. I mean, I think he was a couple of fights into his career there uh with the UFC. And, man, Smojo was dead on about John Jones, let me tell you, as he continues to, uh, to roll on there. Although, I'm going to tell you, a couple of my buddies and I were talking over the weekend. If you are UFC guys, I think you'll know where I'm going. It, I don't know who's going to catch him, but he's going to get caught, and it's going to be like Silva. He's at that point where he's so good, he's clowning guys while he's beating them up, and he's going to be like Silva. Remember, Chris Weidman caught him, boom, dropped him, and... uh Nobody saw that coming. When it, whoever does do it in John Jones, nobody's gonna see that one coming either. But it sure it sure wasn't Clover Teixeira. I'll tell you that. The other night, uh, just a beating he put on him, but a good fight. John Jones still the champ. So hopefully you guys that went out and enjoyed it at the uh, Harry Buffalo out in North Olmstead had a great time, and hopefully I can run into some of you guys the next time the UFC fights are on out there. That was UFC 172. Speaking of, hey, don't forget our man is coming up at the end of May. Stipe Miocic from right here in Cleveland. He'll be taking on Junior Dos Santos. I mean, that's a big deal. That's a big fight. That's a big, that's a big order. Stipe's got on his hands. We'll talk more about that coming up. Miocic and Dos Santos. There's one of those heavyweight battles. I am very, very much looking forward to that. Matter of fact, they were scheduled to fight in a couple of weeks. It got pushed back a week so that they could main event a different show, I believe. And we'll hopefully get Stipe on. If not during his camp, then we'll catch up with him after the fight, one or the other. Uh, speaking of fighting, Columbus Blue Jackets are fighting for their lives as they fall the other day. Uh, very, It was very competitive. Uh, at the end, they pull the goalie. They get the empty netter for Pittsburgh, which made it a 3-1 uh, deficit. But uh, it was a very competitive game. Pittsburgh pulled ahead there in the uh, in the third, and that was it for the... Unfortunately for the Jackets, they now fail or they now fall three to two in this series. They have to win the next two. Luckily for them, they can only worry about the next game, which happens at home. They're back at Nationwide tonight. I saw uh, some of the tweets coming out from the Blue Jackets about some of the banners that they got going around the building. We are the fifth line, and they're gonna they're gonna make it a, a madhouse tonight, and they're gonna need to play off of that because it's winner go home. It's win or stay home, I should say. If you win, you get to head back up to Pittsburgh and try to go on the road and win the Game 7, that mythical Game 7 in playoff series. Or you lose and you stay home, and it was a good run and a good season, but you leave yourself wondering what was left on the table because these this has been a much more, much more competitive series than the Penguins saw coming, and I think a lot of people outside of Columbus didn't see it coming as well. But does it end in 6, or do they push it to 7? tonight puck drops at 7 p.m. from Nationwide Arena. We'll talk about that tomorrow. And as well, speaking of fighting, before that idiot Donald Sterling took the focus off of things, the NBA playoffs were fantastic. I mean, guys, this first round has been incredible, and it continues to to be no less than that, man. Toronto, Toronto blows the big lead, ends up holding on, getting it back. They, they now uh, uh, have tied that series with Brooklyn uh, back and forth there. I'll tell you, I think Toronto may pull that out. I wasn't sure. After the first couple of games, I said maybe the Nets will grab a hold of this. I'm leaning towards Toronto in that one. Remember, my my son picked Toronto to run the table. I don't know how right he is about that one, but uh, uh, I think they pull out of that series. Look at the Bulls, too. The Bulls now down 3-1. to one. Wizards are not playing. The Bulls were way down in that one. They made a run in the fourth quarter, but it it was too little, too late. Wizards now lead that series 3-1, to one, looking to put a chokehold on Chicago. And how about Portland? Rip City, man. I mean, we talked about LaMarcus Aldridge had a couple of 40-plus games early on. He's really uh, leading that team. Another overtime game. These playoffs have been full of buzzer beaters and overtimes. And speaking of buzzer beaters, would not be Fitting to end this conversation without talking about Vince Carter nailing the the uh, the mojo old school three pointer at the buzzer the other day. San Antonio, which by the way you guys know you listen to the show, San Antonio is uh, my pick t- to get through the Western Conference. Uh, Dallas is not going to make it easy on them there for sure. And how about OKC and Memphis as that series continues to just be insanely competitive. Back and forth there. Just what a what it really what a great with the exception of I mean, I see the, the whiz pulling away there. But with the exception of the blowout series with Charlotte and Miami, I mean, all of these playoff series have been just extremely competitive, good competition. And uh, I expect that to continue throughout. Although I've said it today, I made a couple of a couple of things. I said, I don't think the clips get past the Warriors. I had them getting through. I don't think they do now. I think that this whole distraction with the Sterling thing is uh going to cost them this series. I, I mean, that's that's how that's how fragile the line is between winning or losing with teams at this level. And I think that uh, the distraction is going to be... Like I said, the fact that they're talking about what protests are we going to do tomorrow, what statement are we going to make, that's time that you're not spending getting ready for the Warriors. Meanwhile, the Warriors are getting ready for you. Plus, I don't know, as much as you love the Clippers, there's going to be a lot of stubborn-ass fans out there that say, no, man, forget this team because of who the owner is. They may boo. There may be a mixed reaction at home. I'm not saying I would do that. I'm looking at the the mob mentality that comes when you get a large crowd together. Sometimes things go off the rails and, and situations get ugly. So I don't think coming home helps those guys out at all to be honest with you looking at tonight's games though that's tomorrow we'll talk more about that as we see too what the nba is going to do with donald sterling tonight's games miami with a chance to knock out charlotte take it with a sweep i think they do uh make it a clean sweep there that game's at seven eight o'clock tonight pacers and the hawks i'll tell you Took everything the Pacers had the other day to pull that game out. That series has tied it too. They should not be having this much trouble with the Atlanta Hawks. I, I don't I don't understand at all what has happened. So I've made my made my guesses here though, uh, with the Indiana Pacers. And then that series, San Antonio and Dallas. Dallas now leads two to one. San Antonio looking to respond and tie that series up. At two games apiece. Three good games tonight. We'll talk about all of those. Of course, the Indians and the Angels tonight. Late night drive live. Justin Masterson takes the hill for your Cleveland Indians. Taking on Tyler Skaggs. We'll talk about that tomorrow as well. With Jeff Gorman from Indians101.com. He'll be here. Dr. Football, Bill Chickas, he'll be in the house tomorrow. We are hitting our final positional breakdown before the draft week hits us and we look at the quarterbacks tomorrow with Dr. Football looking forward to that as well we'll catch up with Doug Plagans of the Lake Erie Monsters get his take on are the Jackets still alive we'll have to talk about that the NHL and AHL playoffs as well all of that your talk your takes and so much more guys a loaded show tomorrow so until then Thank you guys so much for today. Today really was a fantastic way to kick off the week. It's fantastic. Any chance we get to do this. You guys have fun tonight with the playoffs, NHL and NBA style, with the Indians, with all of that. Come back here, have fun, and talk to us about it tomorrow. Live at noon, same bat time, same bat channel, right here on the Sports Fix. We love you, Cleveland. We'll see you tomorrow, live, right here on the Sports Fix.
0: Where the kings play, clean In the clean, yeah, we clear. We're all city Two lights separate the
4: ground from the grid. Press it committed. Who'll pass over any city that we visited? When the alpha's clean